Good evening, everyone. The February 8, 2024 Loudoun County Planning Commission work session will now come to order. As is our custom, please let us stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. <laughs> I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Got a lot of reading to do tonight. Pursuant to the Code of Virginia Section 2.2-3708.3 and the Planning Commission Remote Participation Policy, Commissioner Banks has requested to participate in this meeting by electronic communication from a remote location that is not open to the public. Commissioner Banks has stated that he cannot attend this meeting due to a personal matter and will be joining this meeting from Steamboat Springs, Colorado, which is not open to the public. As required by law, a physical quorum of the Planning Commission is present in the boardroom and the Commission has made arrangements for the voice of Commissioner Banks to be heard by all persons in the room. Commissioner Banks made this request within the time frame required by policy and the County Attorney has determined that Commissioner Banks meets the qualifications to participate remotely. The Commission will record in its minutes the specific nature of the personal matter and the location from which Commissioner Banks participated remotely. We are here for our work session, but we do have public comment tonight. Many members of the public who wish to comment on any item on the agenda may do so at the beginning of the meeting. So both of our items, you can speak here at the beginning. There will not be additional public comment taken once the commission begins to discuss the returning public hearing items. If you're in the boardroom, please fill out a speaker slip and hand it to the assistant deputy clerk of the planning commission at the end of the dais to my left. If you're participating electronically, please call the number on the bottom of the screen. If you signed up to speak after 12 noon today, please confirm your name is on the list as comment, public comments closes at 12 p.m. as indicated on our website. Public comments sign up closes. Indicate your name in the agenda item you wish to address. Each speaker will have two minutes, four minutes if you are speaking on behalf of an organization. All right, we have uh, minutes to review and adopt. Do I have a motion? Madam Chair, I move that the Planning Commission adopt the Loudoun County Planning Commission work session minutes for January 11, 2024 as presented. Second. Motion is made by Vice Chair Combs, seconded by Commissioner Kears. Do we have any changes or corrections to the minutes? Okay. We have a motion on the floor. All in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? Okay, the motion carries one abstention. one abstention. Okay. Who am I missing down there? Okay. Yes. You're abstaining too, right? Um, yes. You're yes. yes. Okay, so we really had five yeses because we have Mr. Banks and the four of us. This is for the January 11th work session. Yeah. Commissioner Matter, you, you were, were there. there. Okay, yeah. Oh, okay. You were there. Okay, so we have six. Yep. All right. Six in favor, none opposed, one abstaining, and two absent. Close that. Did I get that? There we go. All right, that's our math for tonight. All right, thank you. Before we get into our agenda items, I'd like to take any disclosures from commissioners. If you have disclosures to make, go ahead and turn your light on, and I'll just work my way down the line. Commissioner Kears. 
January 25th, I attended the Committee for Dulles Luncheon and met with uh, Colin Shiroto regarding the Ravana uh, application, not application, but uh, project. On January 30th, I met with Colleen Gillis, Ben Wales, Angela Rosas, Tim Rowe, Dave McElhenney, McElhaney, uh, regarding the Arcola Farms residential application tonight. On February 6th, I met with Tony Calabrese, uh, William Matarazzo, uh, Michael Arm, and Howie Adeo regarding the Innovation Gateway application. And on February 8th, I had a phone call with Tony Calabrese regarding the Innovation Gateway application. Thank you. Commissioner Jasper. Um, so is it, uh, this is a question of, um, do I, I, in my capacity as a new uh, Loudoun County Planning Commissioner for the Little River District, um, do I disclose meetings, disclose meetings with citizens that are not uh, applicable, directly applicable to an application that's pending? What do we, we typically have not if it's not okay. related to an application. Okay. That or a matter that's coming before us. Okay. All right. Then that makes my disclosure shorter. Okay. Um, uh, on um, huh. yesterday, I met um, with, uh, I participated in a virtual meeting with uh, Ben Wales, Colleen Gillis, Angela Rossis, Timothy Rowe, Dave McElhaney about the um, Arcola Farms residential uh, project. And I met previously uh, last Friday with Howie, or no, Monday, with Howie Ito uh, concerning the Innovation Gateway proposal. Okay, Commissioner Reddy. On January 30th, I met with Howie Ada on Innovation Gateway application. On February 2nd, I met uh, Cooley's team, Colin Gillis, and also applicant Nathan uh, Hammond Lee Gleason um, regarding the different application. Thank you. Thank you. Vice Chair Combs. Uh, thank you, Madam Chair. On January 26th, um, I had a meeting with Matt Leslie and the applicant team um, regarding the Goose Creek Village West application. Uh, on January 29, um, I had a meeting uh, with Colleen Gillis, Ben Wales, Angela Rassis, and Dave McElhaney, and Tim Rowe uh, regarding the Arcola, Arcola Farms um, residential rezoning application on February 5th. Um, I had a follow-up conversation with the same team regarding Arcola Farms. Um, and on February 5th, I had a uh, virtual meeting with Ben Wales, Brendan Sikora, Matt Penning, and Renee Frustaci um, regarding the Trailside Park um, Commission Permit application. And I believe that's it. Okay. Madam Chair. Yes, Mr. Banks. Commissioner Banks, go ahead. On January 31, I met with the team um, regarding our call of arms. That is Colleen Gillis, Dave McElhaney, Timothy Rowe, Angela Rosses, and Ben Wales. Thank you. Okay, 
uh, my disclosure. Um, I also had a meeting with the, the team representing the Arcola Farms uh, application, uh, the folks from Cooley and Toll Brothers, and uh, that was on February 6th. All right, we will go ahead and open the public hearing for, again, both items that are on our agenda tonight. I do not have anyone signed up in advance, but do we have any speakers who have signed up in the room? Hold on, give me one second to get some paper. All right, we get a twofer. Um, we'll start with uh, in Innovation Gateway, since it's the first application of the evening, and uh, Tia Ehrman. <laughs> um, good evening. For the record, my name is Tia Ehrman, uh, speaking on behalf of the Piedmont Environmental Council this evening. Um, we support staff in their recommendation of forwarding this application to the Board of Supervisors with a recommendation of denial. We cannot support more data center uses in Loudoun County until solutions to the energy crisis bearing down on our entire region are achieved. Um, until then, we must stop digging this hole further. <laughs> we highly recommend rejecting this now commonplace request to nearly double the FAR for data centers. Um, as the technology housed in these vast warehouses improves, instead of the overall energy demands decreasing, we are witnessing the opposite. Um, faster, smaller, more efficient servers have greatly increased power usage of the facilities overall, a trend which will undoubtedly continue. Continuing to allow nearly double the FAR recommended in our county documents only increases the burden on the grid exponentially. The land in question for this application is in the urban transit center place type and allowing any of these precious acres so close to our mass transit centers to be used for non-public and non-residential housing is a contradiction of our county's guiding documents and not good general planning practice. This is the exact opposite of our stated goals for the transition, or sorry, the transit center place type tongue tied tonight. With the limited amount of space left for Eastern Loudoun for residential development and community supportive uses and an even smaller footprint with proximity of the metro stops, it is vital we follow the direction of our comprehensive plan and make the most of the land we have available. We would be very supportive of more residential development on this parcel, more retail and consumer services, and more community and green spaces. Um, we wonder how reducing green and civic spaces serve the community. This application comes with Zemon 2022 number seven attached, a request to eliminate both the civic use requirement and the town green requirement altogether. So it would indicate that the applicant does not value the civic oriented and environmental features that would help improve the quality of life and sense of place for our residents in this new community. This is in direct contradiction of our county comprehensive plan goals and direction. The applicant doesn't offer to enhance other features for the community or answer an extraordinary need specific to the topography of the parcel in needing the modification, but rather is just trying to density pack a data center that would already exceed the currently available power supply. Please vote against allowing this inappropriate use of such valuable land. Thank you. Thank you. Do we have anyone else in the room who'd like to speak on the Innovation Gateway application? Do we have anyone who's joined us online? We do not have anyone online. Okay, thank you. 
All right, then we'll move on to our Cola Farms. I hope you didn't get too settled in, Tia. Yeah, I just grabbed a drink. Okay. <laughs> Water, not wine or anything else. <laughs> All right. Welcome back. Been a long time. Um, again, for the record, um, my name is Tia Ehrman speaking on behalf of the PEC. Uh, we are again in agreement with the staff recommendation of forwarding this to the Board of Supervisors with a recommendation of denial, as it does not adhere to the guidance of our county documents for the TPA or support the county vision for the transition small lot neighborhood place type. Our transition policy area is a very special part of Loudoun and represents our county's use of the sometimes very limited tools in our toolbox in this Dillon rural state uh, to craft a unique landscape that can distinguish Loudoun County from many of our neighbors and create a diverse environment for our residents. The TPA is intended to be a visual and spatial transition from suburban east to rural west and this is exemplified by this parcel with conserved land to one side and planned suburban development to the other. This application is not in keeping with the goals of the TPA, nor in keeping with the small lot neighborhood place type. It inappropriately sacrifices the open space aesthetic, tree canopy, and unique look and feel of this policy area in favor of too much density per the vision and guidance of our county documents. As staff states, from the county comp plan, the TSLN place type is directed to feature clustered development that is in harmony with the existing natural landscape features and is to be densely screened with forested landscape buffers and deep setbacks from adjacent roads and zoning districts. Instead, this application proposes to place a dense, typical suburban neighborhood in the TPA, contradicting both the overall policy area and the place type. Our county offers great flexibility for developers, and we hear again and again that this flexibility is necessary to produce an innovative, unique product. Instead, in this unique policy area um, and place type, this application is more of the same dense suburban neighborhood. Please vote to forward this application to the board with a recommendation of denial and support the unique, varied regions of our county just as it is a valid choice to Liz, live and raise a family in a suburban area like I grew up in, it is a valid choice to purchase a home in a rural or semi-rural setting and live with space to call your own. Loudoun is situated to offer both of these options to our residents, but only if we uphold the ideals of our county documents and insist on development suited to these unique place types will we avoid turning the county into a one-size-fits-all suburban sprawl. Thank you. Thank you. That is everyone I have signed up. Is there anyone else in the room who would like to speak on this item? Okay, we don't, do we have anyone joining us online on this item? No one online. Okay, thank you. Last call in the room. All right, public hearing is now closed. We will go ahead and begin with the agenda items returning for action tonight. And we will start with LEGI 2023-0027, Innovation Gateway. And we are uh, ready, Marshall, whenever you are. Thank you very much. <clears throat> Good evening, commissioners. Uh, my name is Marshall Brown with the Department of Planning and Zoning, and I am here to present the applications for Innovation Gateway. 
Subject property is located in the Sterling Election District and it is also located within the Urban Transit Center place type. The applicant is proposing to rezone the subject property from Plan Development Research and Development Park under the 1972 zoning ordinance and revised 1993 zoning ordinance uh, into two separate land bays with two separate zoning districts. This application is subject to the Zor grandfathering resolution and may continue to be processed under the revised 1993. The applicant is proposing to rezone 10.74 acres in the first land bay to Plan Development Town Center for the development of 425 multifamily attached uh, dwelling units. The applicant is proposing to rezone 17.39 acres in the second land bay to PDOP or Plan Development Office Park for the development of 700,000 square feet of data center uses. The applicant is also requesting a special exception to increase the floor area ratio in the PDOP land bay. Uh, from 0.6 to 1.0 to increase the data center development potential on site and 10 zoning modifications as listed on the screen to modify various regulations of the PDOP and PDTC zoning districts. This is a general view of the CDP. You can see land bay number one, which is the multifamily land bay, is uh, next to Shaw Road. This is plan view is uh, north is to the left. And land bay two, where the data centers are, is in red. The open space is highlighted by the uh, yellow outline. Since this item was last before the commission, there have been a few updates and to move through these relatively quickly. Um, office use was removed as an explicit component in the proffers. It is still an accessory use to data centers. They have also proffered out substation use on the property entirely. They have proffered additional noise mitigation measures for data center uses and to perform a noise study for the residential uses to determine any additional residential noise attenuation that may be needed. Uh, they have updated the residential design proffers a bit and uh, provided additional detail for ground level building design. They have also requested an additional ZMOD to eliminate the buffer between land bay one and land bay two on the south side of the property, which I'll discuss in a moment. Uh, they have also revised the Shaw Road credit request. It was previously 50% to now 37.5%. This results in a total credit of $5.2 million. Um, they have revised the proffers as well to increase the cash in lieu amount for a crosswalk on Shaw Road from 50,000 to 71,000, have eliminated the private shuttle contribution. References to phasing from construction have been removed in the proffers in terms of stating that land bay two will be developed first, land bay one will be developed second. Capital facilities and regional roads and regional transit contributions are now being provided for all, all units per county policy and contributions though are still subject to the credit request for Shaw Road. There are still several outstanding issues that staff has identified with this proposal as listed on the screen. At the core of almost all of the outstanding uses is uh, that the development proposal deviates fundamentally from the long range planning policy for the subject property. Again, this property is located in the urban transit center place type, which is anticipated to, to develop with dense urban style walkable mixed use and transit oriented development with a gridiron street pattern with sidewalks, benches, shade trees, bike racks, uh, pedestrian malls, plazas, and a network of green space and public art as design features. The urban transit center place type is identified in the general plan as the highest growth, highest priority growth area in the county and uh, envisioned for such style of development due to, due to its proximity to metro rail stations. <clears throat> the applicant is proposing two separate land bays, uh, single use zoning districts, which alone do not achieve the intended mix of uses for the place type. 
Data centers are not a core complementary or conditional use in this place type, and this is not the location that the county intends to develop for data centers. Development of data centers would remove land area in the place type that the county has purposely identified as having the highest growth potential to support dense urban development in close proximity to Metro Rail. Aside from the land use conflict that is presented by the application, the proposal also fails to achieve the intended design vision for the place type, as described earlier. The secure data center campus on Land Bay 2 and the gated residential community on Land Bay 1 are in no way connected to one another, which fails to achieve the vision of the place type. The specs and zoning modifications which the applicant has requested to achieve the design vision do not, uh, do not improve upon or otherwise exceed the public purpose of the existing regulation, which is inconsistent with, inconsistent with zoning ordinance criteria for consideration of such co-applications. Following on that, as noted earlier, the applicant has requested the additional ZMOD to eliminate the required landscape buffering between land bays one and two on the south side of the property. Staff does not support uh, the ZMOD to eliminate these land the buffer between land bays one and two as elimination of buffering between disparate uses is not consistent with the general plan policy. While the applicant has again reduced the credit request for Shaw Road from 50 to 34%, staff continues to recommend against the credit for the improvements as this credit is not supported by the 2019 CTP. In addition, staff has noted that the proffer language seems to insinuate that 100% credit may be granted as the language is drafted now. Staff recommends at a minimum that the proffers be revised to clearly articulate the amount of credit sought against proffered contributions. Lastly, the applicant has removed an explicit reference to phasing in the proffers. A holistic review of the proffers implies that data center will be constructed prior to residential, yet there is no proffer that compels construction of residential uses in Land Bay 1. This could lead to a situation in which data center use is constructed without residential on site. So again, staff is continuing to recommend that the Planning Commission forward a recommendation of denial to the Board of Supervisors based on the outstanding issues in, uh, noted in the memo and also shown on the screen. Happy to take any questions at this time. Thank you, Marshall. Uh, we have any questions from the commission? We will have an, a brief applicant presentation after this and an opportunity to ask them questions as well. So we'll, we'll try to stay focused on Marshall and the, the team from county staff. Anybody have anything? Okay. All right, Mr. Calabrese, you're up. Thank you so much. Good evening, members of the commission. Tony Calabrese with DLA. Lovely seeing you all. Uh, for the record, and based on several inquiries, I have never visited a tanning salon in my life. My wife and I took a long delayed vacation, so just want to be clear. Um, thank you so much. I'm going to do this with quite alacrity, since I think I have five minutes and I have a timer to make sure that I am uh, doing this correctly. So don't blink, and you, you may miss something. Let's see if this works. Ooh. Fancy, I have the power, this is fantastic. So I have had the pleasure and privilege of working in this quadrant, this critical front door of Loudoun County at 28, uh, the Greenway Toll Road, uh, obviously Innovation Gateway for more decades than I care to recount. I, I will say it's very interesting. I, I could not be more proud for the third time to be before you to present this application. I think this is an incredibly unique opportunity for the county to do something that will not only not be an unwanted precedent, but would be favorable for the reasons that I will quickly articulate. Uh, most of you know, several of the new commissioners have, have heard from us, 29 acres, research and development for 30 years. Uh, this is over a mile 
about 1.2 miles from the Innovation Gateway. There are four critical applicable taxes that I think are quite important for this area of the county. General taxes, Route 28, the rail tax district, personal property taxes. I'll come back to that map, uh, particularly to show the compatibility of the proposed residential with the data centers. It's a mixed-use development. There are four distinct uses on this property that I think are integrated appropriately. Office, data center, residential, community park. Interestingly, we're trying to achieve a higher density, much higher density than the application that was before you several years ago. We've redesigned the site completely. We have a three-plus-acre community park, quite complementary to, carefully integrated with Waterside. 425 residential units, 8% unmet housing needs. Commitment to design and construct one of the most important regional roads uh, in this area. We made a whole bunch of changes over our series of meetings. Mr. Barnes always asked me, am I gonna get you know, what you're showing me? The answer is yes, we've been very clear about the substantial conformity. These look like office buildings, frankly, very attractive office buildings, and both buildings, as you know, will have an office component immediately contiguous to the residential reflected here at Shaw Road there in the, in the foreground. Somebody needs to build that road in order to open up the potential for this important quadrant, and we're prepared to do it. Frankly, there's no other use I would respectfully submit that makes sense here. You're not gonna get just office. Even Ms. Kirshner, Mr. Banks' predecessor, who I think was on the verge of recommending approval of this case, said you should not put residential on 28. The data centers in the office are an appropriate buffer and an appropriate transition to the residential. You don't want warehouse. There's two rather old uh, hotels immediately to the north. We were there with Mr. Kearse the other night. You're not going to get a hotel here. Um, you, you don't want to do only residential. This is absolutely the right combination of uses, I would respectfully submit. This is a helpful graphic. What's shown in the foreground and the bottom is not only the community park and the, and the attractive pond, but the, the footprints that you see are waterside-approved residential right next to that park, right next to our proposed residential, right across the street. The office-looking the office -looking buildings will actually be an appropriate transition and reduce significantly the noise that would emanate otherwise from Route 28. So again, this is the north looking towards the south. You'll see that there is residential and community park a potential uh, library, for example, literally right across the street, right across from the residential. This is a view from the third floor balcony, the fifth floor balcony, again, looking over the office, the residential. Mr. Kirby is here from Fairfield if you have questions for him. He's chomping at the bit. He wants to get a site plan submitted. He wants to get that residential developed as quickly as possible. There's no other case that I know of that has specifically proffered out a substation. There's a lot of concerns articulated without an acknowledgement of the very high bar set by this application. I know of no other case that's proffered out a substation. We've done a lot of noise mitigation. We talked about generator testing limitations. We talked about that with Mr. Kearse. We can get into that in detail if you want. In terms of transportation improvements, we're upfronting Shaw Road. There's no delay. There's no phasing. We get that done before anything can be occupied. Affordable housing, as I alluded to. I said, don't blink. Um, I do think this, and I'll wrap up here momentarily, Chair, this is really helpful to me. Innovation Gateway, the green area, are the office-looking data centers. You see the residential in yellow, right above where it says, and you see the waterside surrounding in residential. We're well over a mile from Metro. Um, I think we drew this analogy to several of you. There's my timer, so I'm gonna wrap up here in just a minute. For those of you intimately familiar with the Reston Town Center, and I have a graphic of it, just to give you some order of magnitude. The Reston Town Center Station, we're all very familiar with Reston. 
almost the exact same distance from where Innovation Gateway is shown here, if you were at the Reston Town Center and you went the same distance, about 1.2 mile, you would land at Home Depot. That's what's been there developed at Reston now over 25 years. This is an extraordinary opportunity for the county for all the reasons that I've tried to very quickly articulate. Chair, my time is up. I have a bunch more slides, but I think I will shut down and uh, respectfully, oh, I will note before I do finalize, we, we have made a series of changes to the capital facility requirements and I have some formula on that if you'd like to see it. Happy to answer any questions. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Commissioners, do we have any questions for the applicant? Commissioner Kears. Yeah, could you go over um, some of the noise mitigation plans you have for this data center and how that compares to the typical data center that we have in the county? Yes, sir. Um, let me back right up to it so I can be more specific, Mr. Kears. So this gives you a quick flavor for the uh, proffers that are already before the commission. Low noise fans and sound attenuators, all the, um, all the, we're doing the highest quality uh, generators now, lower uh, DBA, 75 as you heard the other night, uh, acoustical duct lining, 20 foot screening walls all around the data centers. It's really four walls because the buildings themselves will be one of the, one of the four walls. Um, generator enclosures with the noted embellishments, noise monitoring equipment. There's gonna be a fence in between the residential uh, and the office. On the res and that's on the data center side. In addition, we are agreeing to various generator restrictions, Mr. Kears, as we briefly discussed. But more importantly, on the residential side, and Mr. Kirby, who's here from Fairfield, uh, has confirmed we're gonna have a sound level interior to the residential of a maximum 45 dBA. We have to demonstrate that. If there's any question about it, there will be additional supplemental construction measures, uh, enhanced construction uh, and, and other things in order to ensure complete remedi remediation. So we've gone way above and beyond the typical data center, even proximate to residential. And we're all very cognizant of this commission and the board the concern about proximity of residential and data center. We also looked at examples around the country where this has been done incredibly successfully and several of you uh, prior commissioners have heard from Fairfield themselves. They are, love this site. They love the proximity to Metro. They love the future opportunities, Mr. Kears, of, of Waterside and future Rivana. Um, they are very cognizant that data centers will be right next door and there's no impediment whatsoever. And then quickly, the, the green space, it kind of show it up. They could just give a little more detail on what's included in that. Still learning how to use this, so give me a second. That's lighting. I think I'm going the wrong way. Ah. So we're just over three acres. Um, that gives you a quick flavor for the pond and the surrounds. Uh, Ms. Kirshner was, was uh, quite clear, for example, that she wanted specificity, which is what you see embellished here in the proffers on the left, as to all those uh, different activities. That's the likely location of them. Um, that will be done in the first phase, of course, with stormwater management, pickleball, volleyball, uh, really attractive trails. I think this would be a great feature, frankly, to attract the very residential that we heard a couple of minutes ago that folks are lauding and want to see in this area. This is going to be really an attractive amenity. 
Uh, in addition, let me see if I get to it, we actually also have um, activation along Shaw Road. Staff was very uh, clear about wanting to do something different and attractive at the front of the residential area. So there's some of the detail reflected here as well. Yes, sir. <clears throat> Vice Chair Combs. Uh, thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, Tony, since uh, substation has been proffered out, can you explain, particularly for those who weren't part of the, the public hearing of the earlier work session, um, where the power would come from? Yes, sir. I'm going to keep flipping if you'll bear with me because I want to, it's better to show it graphically. So if you look to the upper left of the screen before you, kind of where the, where the, uh, the yellow circle uh, goes off the site a little bit to the north, which is to the left on this graphic. Um, that's actually a data center development. There is a there's a regional dual Novak and Dominion substation being constructed just to the left of that graphic. That substation is regional in nature, in nature and will supply power well beyond just the four or five data centers that are there. Um, the great benefit for us, and we've always already worked this deal out with both Dominion and Novak is that we do not need to bring transmission lines, that the power from the transmission will be brought down by Novak, and then we will be able to underground the distribution lines down Old Ox, down Shaw Road when we construct Shaw Road, and they will lead to Innovation Gateway. Okay, thank you for that, Tony. And then with respect to, Marshall mentioned the office is no longer part of the, um, Part of the concept plan, or at least it is insofar as it's an accessory use. Can you explain that change? Yes, sir. There was concern where we specifically called out the office components, which are at the front of the data centers here, right by the residential. Um, each of those data center buildings will have about 35 to 40,000 square feet of an office component. There was a concern that by calling it out and specifically proffering it to, to it, that we would somehow change our trip generation calculations. They actually won't change at all. Um, and so while the office component is absolutely included in the architecture, in the site plan, and in our design, we're not calling it out as a separate proffered use, but it will absolutely be there. And a meaningful component. Um, it will have a much lower traffic generation than is a typical office building. There's just less density in a data center office, as you know. So to us, it's kind of the perfect, um, it's a perfect segue, it's a perfect transition from the higher data center to the slightly lower office, right to the residential and those balcony views I showed you a few minutes ago. Thank you. Yes, sir. Commissioner Barnes. Yes, ma'am, thank you. Uh, applicant, uh, I still see a lot of uh, issues with the staff that uh, you haven't resolved. Uh, um, but I see and read from the staff, which I, that's what I depend on, the staff, they're my support here. And uh, so why is that, that you can agree with more of what their concerns are than uh, it, the number looks about the same when we started out on it? Uh, the number of issues has dwindled very dramatically, Mr. Barnes. Uh, even back in September when I did my first presentation, it was, it was quite clear to us then and I think to the Commission that we we're never going to get there with staff. The underlying policy of not permitting data centers in UTC prevents staff from recommending approval of this case. If that was the only issue, they'd still be recommending denial. 
I honestly think we've worked through virtually everything else. I won't go through the minor ZMOD that, that, um, that was alluded to a couple of minutes ago. And as you know, staff takes the position, and they're very consistent about it, that they don't support regional credits, road credits, if you will. That's perfectly fine. We, you guys have discussed that a lot. I have a great slide, which I'm going to probably have to put up before we're done with Ms. Frank's explainable, defensible, repeatable um, slide, which is, it, which is in my PowerPoint. And I, I think we've um, hopefully concluded in a way that's really fair. Again, for Shaw Road, we're only going to be utilizing about 27% of the capacity of that road. 73% of the capacity of that road will be regional in nature. We've dramatically reduced the, the proposed density request. We're not going to get there with staff. We appreciate and respect their position. Again, for all the reasons you've now heard me three times uh, before you articulate. When I look at that plan and I think about the fact that nothing has been developed there for 30 years, that there is surrounding residential, that we have a community park, that we have proffered out a substation, that the county will enjoy four major tax benefits associated with it and have four different uses on a site that's 1.2 miles from Metro, I could not be more proud to present that case to you. Well, 30 years is nothing, you know, comparatively. Uh, sooner or later, somebody will come down and build it, but it's stone for. Uh, but I, I was going to ask you, how many uh, data center buildings you're going to have up there? On this side, two. Two? Yes, sir. So it's not even just one, it's two of them. Yes, sir. Okay. So you're going to have two generators. We're going to have two areas of generators that are um, behind 20-foot screening walls. Yes, sir. Thank you. Yes, sir. Commissioner Jasper. Thank you, Chair. Um, so uh, just uh, following up on Commissioner Barnes's comment, uh, I was, I been involved in some development down in Washington, D.C. And I remember time in early 2000 that uh, an area that was around the railroad tracks behind Union Station was had been abandoned for development since the Eisenhower Road area. And there was nothing happening there. There were abandoned lots, no sidewalks. It was horrible. And even in that environment, uh, the then planning uh, director for the city of Washington, D.C., said put a moratorium in on data center development in the city because it was deemed inappropriate. Um, their hope was for residential and mixed use. That neighborhood is now Noma. More than 7,000 units of housing are down there. Um, and it is mixed use with a tremendous amount of office and retail union markets there. None of that would have happened had data centers been allowed as they were coming in without that moratorium. So I, I'm very sympathetic to the uh, position that Commissioner Barnes raised about, you know, if this happens, this, this area will be doomed to be another area full of data centers because data centers are a tremendous these are large buildings. You've, um, they're described with 110 feet tall. I asked um, when Howie Ado uh, and I'm, I spoke, I asked her for not just the sound mitigation you know, concept that you have for the interior of these 435 units, 
but also what's it like, what is the sound going to be like outside? And had you done any sound analysis? I didn't get any further analysis, so I did a little bit of research on my own. And on my own, I found out that, I apologize for not having it right at my, the Hearing Health Foundation deems 45 decibels to be, quote unquote, a disturbance of concentration and interference with learning. So that's what we're talking about inside the units with sound mitigation. Then we're looking at what's going on outside the unit. That was what my question was. How much sound? You're going to walk out of one of these units and presume these are, uh, there's a proffer of affordable units and they're rental units, so you know they will be attracting people, perhaps not the same people who can afford to go to the single family detached neighborhoods. And you know, you're placing them in, in this situation, in this environment that has this noise that is just constant. And that will also be, um, you know, I assume, but I, I don't know because no analysis was provided, that that noise will be um, present at the park. And if more data centers are developed in the area, then there'll be more noise like this. So it will completely defeat the concept of the place type that was desired here. Um, I'm also concerned about shadow. Uh, these are 110-foot buildings, and they're directly adjacent to uh, either five or six-story buildings, is what Howie told me. Uh, and I asked for a sun study to show how much of these buildings would be in shadow all the time. I'm also concerned about the amount of shadow that these will set uh, shadow and noise that these could have on the waterside development. So. Um, you know, I, I would be interested in uh, understanding, but, but I'm skeptical that you can actually eliminate the noise so that it's truly a positive environment for residents of Loudoun County. So, uh, Ms. Jasper, appreciate your comments, and I'll, I'll again respond, I think, with um, rapidity uh, to try and st to stay on track. Very quickly, first with regard to shadows, um, we actually have a, a very good answer to that. This is the south looking towards the north, as you know. Um, this is probably the best angle that you could have on the data centers. Uh, the southern exposure will be significant for the residential area, and, and frankly, we include a swimming pool within uh, the residential area. Uh, so we, we have looked at that. Uh, with regard to noise, the main problem potentially associated with data centers and noise are the generators. These generators are the highest quality ones that, as far as I know, have been proffered. They will be totally enclosed. They will be behind 20-foot screening walls. And they typically are on for um, uh, confidence runs, for, for maintenance, for about six minutes once every two weeks. So the noise emanating from those generators is very limited in time, very limited in duration. We're even willing to proffer the time that it's done. So for example, it wouldn't be done after 9.30 or 10 o'clock at night. So we respectfully submit that noise will absolutely not be an issue here. I'm very familiar with the area that you describe in DC. I would respectfully submit that this graphic, again, is very helpful for making the point that we can sit here and hope that something else will occur, whether it's five years or 10 years or 50 years, 
or we can take what I think is an extraordinarily beneficial bird in the hand that will construct a major regional road that opens up the type of development that the plan calls for. The UTC type makes a lot of good sense, particularly as you're proximate to rail. This has four different uses. It creates a community park, which certainly doesn't exist out there today, and will be a draw to the very uses that you lauded a, a few minutes ago. So I think we'll probably have to agree to disagree. Um, you, your disagreement is more important since you have the vote and I don't. Uh, but I would say that there has been no case that I have seen uh, in Loudoun which makes more sense to me on this property um, than what is before you this evening. I would just say that I'm new to the commission, so, um, but I, I feel very strongly that um, the reason I got appointed was to um, support the will of Loudoun residents as expressed during the zoning planning process. And so because this is inconsistent with that, um, I probably feel like, and doesn't, you know, I, I feel like I have to um, be the person who upholds their objectives. Thank you, though. Commissioner, yes, Ma oh, Commissioner Moderati. Thank you, Madam Chair. I, I don't really have a question, rather a, a comment. So from the last time the application has been presented, uh, Tony, I got to appreciate how many little changes been made to the application um, on a piece by piece, um, these changes look tremendous. They look, I really like them, but the fact is I still cannot get over the fact that this is a UTC area, that we are trying to build the data centers. Um, myself, again, I think, um, like Commissioner Jasper said, I just feel like once we build something, this area is, uh, is gone from what we can do in the future, closer to the metro. So I don't think I could get myself over the fact of that, that kind of a losing that area for the further UTC development around the station. So for the fact, um, I don't think I will be supporting the application at this time. So thank you. Thank you for your comment. As you know, we, we've actually proposed a number of considerations for the commission that will get to the very heart of what you're concerned about. Um, for example, I think that the commission could take a number of suggestions made to the Board of Supervisors, such as there should be no data center within a mile of Metro, that data centers might only be appropriate, in this case, for example, along a major highway like Route 28. There are a number of factors that the commission can recommend to the board that, to me, absolutely mitigate the unwanted precedent that I've heard articulated now at three, three different meetings. And I, I would respectfully submit this is a very sophisticated, intelligent, smart body that draws lines, that, that it's not black and white. And what we're hearing certainly from staff, and I understand staff's position is, if you propose data center and UTC, under no circumstances will we recommend approval. And everything flows from that, to Mr. Barnes's point, too many issues. Everything flows from that. If you don't take that position, and if you look, and, and I would submit undertake a good planning exercise. You look at the distance, you look at Route 28, you look at what was proposed before, you look at what the market is, you look at the, the fiscal benefits, the tax benefits, that this application absolutely merits a different conclusion. 
and I respect your opinion and I appreciate your time in considering this case. Commissioner Banks, did you have any questions? Uh, no, no questions, thank you. All right, thank you. Okay, all right. I appreciate, I have one quick question. Um, Tony, you mentioned the, well, staff also mentioned the ZMOD to remove the buffers between the two uses. That's a new ZMOD, right? That's been added re recently. Can you explain why that is necessary in, in your mind? Absolutely, Chair. So there were two. One, initially there was a concern about um, buffers between the two uses, and I'll get to that. And then the second one is the one that I'm going to allude to here very quickly. We satisfy all the ordinance requirements between the two. We we changed significantly the, uh, the, the landscape areas between the data center, which is at the top of the page, and the residential, so there's no ZMOD requested between the uses. Uh, the ZMOD request, ironically, is here on the southern portion of the site. Uh, there's two. There's, the, there's what's in green, which is the data center side. There needs to be a 25-foot landscape buffer, which we are, in fact, adhering to. Ironically, because the community park area is residential, you actually also have to do a 20-foot buffer in what's the area shown in yellow, basically. That's not engineered, but so that was my PowerPoint, but it's, it's quite close to the property line. We're saying there's absolutely no need to put a buffer over what's going to be a buffer of a park. So that's the ZMOD. Marshall, is that consistent with what was on your charts? Yes. Okay, all right. Just making sure. Okay, um, thank you. Any last questions from commissioners? If not, we will go ahead and uh, I will call for a motion. This is now in the Sterling District. Commissioner Kears. Um, just a little bit of quick background. Um, so I've had a lot of involvement um, with this little corner of the county. Um, this is my third time on the Planning Commission. Uh, the first time I was on it, uh, we did the Route 28 CPAM to kind of guide the developments uh, along Route 28. And uh, at the same, almost concurrently with that, the Dulles World application uh, came forward and uh, was approved in this, um, in this area. Um, that became the hub in, I think it was 2017, I was the planning commission then when Dulles World became the hub and that was approved and the Waterside application was also approved adjacent to this uh, in this area. Um, so I've had a lot of involvement with this. I understand what the county's vision is for this, and I, and I, and I support that. Um, I'm just not ready to abandon the planning for this area yet. Uh, it's going to take a long time to develop. I understand that with the changes in the economy and business office practices. It may take longer. Uh, than we would like, but look how long it's taken Reston to develop out. Um, and just, I just can't support data centers in this area at this, this point in time. Uh, Tony, I get it that maybe that with the changes that have occurred recently, this area needs to look at and be replanned. And should the board decide to do that, I think this planning commission would be happy to take that on. But approving an application that violates the plan to start the conversation, I don't think is the way um, that we should do that. And um, so with that, I move that the Planning Commission forward Leggy 2023-27 Innovation Gateway 
ZMAP 2022-1, Special Exception 2022-2, ZMOD 2022-5, ZMOD 2022-6, ZMOD 2022-7, and dash 8, and dash 9, and dash 10, and ZMOD 2023-71 to the Board of Supervisors with a recommendation of denial based on the findings for denial provided as attachment one to the February 8, 2024 Planning Commission Work Session Staff Memorandum. Second. Second. Okay, thank you. Motion is made by Commissioner Gear, seconded by Commissioner Moderetti. Uh, I'm gonna call that your, that was your opening, right? You want another opening? Go for it. Just real quick, I won't <laughs> repeat myself. Even after what I said, there is a lot of good things about this application for data centers. And quite frankly, I don't think, you know, I remember the last one this commission sent forward to Belmont Innovative, they said this is the best one we've ever seen. I think this trumps that. Uh, with the design of the data centers married into the apartment buildings, the amount of open space, all of the noise mitigation, um, even from our visit last night, I really don't think the noise is probably gonna be too much of a concern uh, based on how the generators cycle through. And quite frankly, if the data centers weren't there and the apartments were, they'd probably be subjected to more noise from Route 28. Um, you're, so there's, there's a lot of good things with this application. I just wish it was someplace else. And I, might, I probably would get past my objection to never having data center near residential because this showed how I think the two could actually coexist, but I just can't support it in this part of the county in this location yet. Can I make a comment too? Yes, we'll go ahead. All, all commissioners can make a comment on the motion. So Commissioner Barnes. Uh, yes, uh, it's not the generator just coming down to exercise. The problem comes on when the electric went off, goes off, and that's where the generator starts to run the unit. And that's where the noise comes in. Uh, the testing it is very very small, you know, it's five, six, seven, eight minutes. But that's not the problem. Problem is uh, it can be electric goes off in the middle of the night and there big diesel engine fired up. And that's when the neighbors get all disturbed. See, we talk about it just, uh, you know, exercise. But generator has it, it, the reason why they're there is because when the electric goes down or the electric goes lower in brown, uh, then they come on too, so that's why they're there. So uh, we got to concern. We got to be concerned about that too. Commissioner Moderetti, did you have your light on? No. Oh, you're good. Vice Chair Combs. Uh, thank you, Madam Chair. <clears throat> I uh, I appreciate the applicant coming back before us yet again on this one. I think the conversation is not yet done. Um, we've spent a lot of time as a commission talking about the data center use adjacent to a residential use when that residential is a single family detached or single family attached community. We've not had a really robust conversation about data centers next to multifamily in a place like this. I agree with a lot of what my colleagues have said. They made some wonderful points. I wanna cast a different vote so that we can continue that conversation so that as, as Commissioner Keir suggested, the planning exercise be revisited so that we can talk about what life might be like with all the data center this county has embraced, all the residential growth that we're currently seeing and data center growth that we're seeing. We somehow need to be having a more robust conversation about how these uses might coexist. And I would submit that this perhaps is the perfect site for that. 
Um, so for that reason, I'm not going to support the motion. Um, I do really hope the conversation continues as this goes along to the board, though. Thank you. Commissioner Banks, did you have any comment on the motion? I, I do, Madam Chair. Uh, my, my thoughts and comments uh, really mirror a lot of those of Vice Chair Combs. I think that we are at a place where we do need to have further conversations about exactly how a project like this can be placed and where. Uh, and I think the applicant has done a wonderful job in um, meeting many of the concerns uh, given this specific site. But it would be, um, I think, unwise of us to then see these uh, changes the efforts made by the applicant and then not have an additional conversation as to how we can incorporate this in our overall uh, planning and use of a land here in our county so for the very same reasons uh, i will not be supporting the motion thank you mr banks any other comments from the folks in the room okay um i i am going to um echo what's been said really on both sides of this um, is this is one of the nicest data centers we've ever seen in front of us, um, if not the nicest. But I come back to the my core issue, which is putting a data center in the UTC. Uh, it's not consistent with plan policy, and I don't know that I'm quite comfortable letting go of it just yet. Um, you know, Metro only opened in the last few years, so we, we really haven't seen how it's going to roll out and impact everything there. And once we do this, it's it's a several decade commitment. Uh, it's not something that's going to redevelop in a few years. So um, for that reason, I'm going to go ahead and support the motion. Um, do you have a closing, Mr. Kears? Nope. Okay. All right. We have a motion on the floor. All in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? Nay. Nay. Okay, the motion carries. Five. Yep, five. Two. 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 With um, Vice Chair Combs and Commissioner Banks uh, opposed, and Commissioner Miller and Commissioner Poland Myers are absent. Thank you all. We'll give everybody a chance to shuffle seats here, both staff and the applicant, and we'll. I'll move on to the second item on our agenda, Legi 2023-0034, Arcola Farms Residential. I understand our, uh, our project manager is out sick, but Marchant, you have generously agreed to pinch hit for us. So we are ready whenever you are. Yes, the applicant can come to the table. We've shifted that. More on that later. I need to make a little disclosure. We do have one housekeeping item Vice Chair Combs has uh, informed me of before you start, Mershant. Go ahead, Mr. Combs. Uh, thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, just a quick disclosure that my firm represents an adjacent landowner here. Um, it doesn't have any uh, impact, I, I believe, on the um, the application before us and I checked with the county attorney's office and don't see any uh, legal issues with the conflict of interest act um, I am going to continue to participate in the consideration of this application um, and I believe the my firm's representation of that client um, does not affect my ableness to uh, to participate fairly objectively in, in the public interest 
uh, leave it at that. Okay. Could All you right. disclose which adjacent? Um, it's the Fleetwood Farm and Nursery LLC. Okay, thank you. All right, thank you. Vice Chair Combs, Marshawn. Okay, this is standing in for Grace Austin Stodd this evening. Arcola Farms Residential. Um, orient folks to the location, the corner of Evergreen Mills Road and Ryan Road, just northwest of Brambleton. 80-acre site, uh, two development options for affordable housing as part of the overall development of 307 single-family detached dwelling units. Uh, either an option for affordable dwelling units through the ordinance, which would be 39, in one unmet housing need unit, or the option to pursue LIHTC funding uh, as unmet housing need units. Number of zoning orders modifications that modify the development standards for this proposal regarding Front, rear, and side yards, lot widths, uh, lot coverage, site access, and uh, landscaping standards for street trees. Uh, this is a very colorful graphic of the uh, lots that are on the proposal. Uh, as you'll see, uh, these lots or these colors correspond to lot widths, and you'll see in pink are the proposed uh, either ADU or AHU cottage lot units. Some sort of overall points from the last commission discussion was talk about sort of the aesthetic and form of the small lot neighborhood place type, uh, talking about screening from adjacent parcels, sort of the donut hole and adjacent properties to the west, um, consideration of perhaps increasing the affordable housing or attainable housing part of this proposal, uh, sort of the ongoing discussion about credits and those units that provide regional road capital facilities and transit contributions, and also some comparison of the old, the revised 93 and the new zoning ordinance. Okay, go through each of those quickly. Uh, no substantial changes to the layout. Uh, they have provided a landscape sheet that talks about corridor buffers, added a mix of uh, a meadow mix um, along the perimeter uh, buffer yards to uh, Ryan Road and to Evergreen Mills Road. Also some fencing and some other evergreen and other uh, plantings along adjacent property owners that well, I will go into detail in just a second. Okay, this is the landscape plan. I'm going to use the spiffy new remote that I think I have a laser. Yes, okay. So you'll see that uh, in this adjacent lot, it's hard to see in this graphic, but this is the area, I believe, of, of plantings that we just described against the adjacent neighbor, neighbor. And this is the area of fencing and if I have that backwards, the applicant, I'm sure, will correct me. Um, so general uh, depiction. And then the, the meadows we talked about, generally in these areas that you'll see, and then the, in these areas along. Oh, look, got ahead of me. Sorry about that. Wait, um, housing. So something to sort of clarify in this, under the ADU ordinance, um, LIHTC funding has a, or under AU ordinance, it is a 20-year provision or a hold of those rental units. Under the LIHTC program, it is mandate of 30 years. Any commitment beyond that would either be, have to be made by the applicant during the funding request or would have to be a part of the proffer statement. But again, this breaks out sort of the different uh, scenarios. And for the ADU um, option, 
There is a unmet housing need, additional unmet housing needs unit. We have asked for some data on the income range that is meant to provide, which the applicant has agreed to do. Uh, there's also um, some re requests to reduce the distance to parking. Uh, the cottage lots would have consolidated parking. Uh, they reduced that from 100 feet to 150 feet to 100 feet. Okay. This is very specific or sort of technical um, coordination on the extent of Ryan Road improvements, shelter easements, and also talk about um, Loudoun, Public, Loudoun County Public Schools. There was an email that went out to the commissioners this week, uh, the, an application that you'll be seeing next month uh, across the street or off, across Evergreen Mills Road for a, a commission permit in a school cluster requires the center line of Evergreen Mills Road to move into the applicant's property uh, between six and nine feet. And so we were able to meet this week and, and that issue is resolved and be the technical aspects of that, the, the road alignments and the proper language will be updated as, as we move forward to the board. So we feel comfortable that that issue does not to be, need to be further discussed by the commission. Fiscal impacts, uh, the applicant had talked about a, a $2.3 million contribution. We need to continue to work through the language of that. Um, and then we just talked about um, regional road and transit contributions, but let me back up for a second. So the applicant is asking to credit the value of Ryan Road improvements. The county right now has it budgeted as a project in 2030 for 35 million. They're estimating their value at about 16 million to do that. Uh, and the delta would be a cost savings back to the county. There are, there are capital facilities contributions, and I believe it's about $19 million. So, or maybe a little bit more than that. Um, but there is a board policy to accept capital facilities credits for road improvements that exceed the impact. So that is a board policy. As a county policy, we need roads, we need to provide public services, so the policy would support mitigating the impact of each unit through its capital facilities contribution. There's also regional road and transit contributions. Overall, we support the regional road credit for the additional four lanes, or additional two lanes for Ryan Road, but the policies would not support getting the capital facilities credit and the transit credit for those improvements. So we need the, the commission to weigh in on the appropriateness of that. There is a material value or financial value to the county for doing that, but it's, it's a trade-off that we need the commission to, uh, to debate. And then there's the same you know, non-market rate units paying uh, regional road and transit contributions. This is an ongoing discussion that the, the commission has and I believe the board is gonna take up the fiscal impact committee recommendations in February or this month, I say that correctly. Okay, thanks. This was a comparison of the new transition small lot neighborhood zoning ordinance standards versus the R4 district standards under which this application is subject. The key difference here by this analysis is the, I'm sorry, I must have fat thumbs here that I keep touching the wrong button. Okay. Is this right here? Front yard widths, uh, the new ordinance would be 10, they've asked to reduce by a foot to nine. The more impactful change is there's a 100-foot perimeter setback required by the district, and that would be on all sides. Now there's a 75-foot building restriction for those units that are along Evergreen Mills Road here. Those are the magenta, or that magenta and the orange units and the brown units, and also along Ryan Road. Uh, those would be, uh, the 100-foot setback would encroach those lots, 
And then more important or more significantly would be these border units and also along here that would not uh, meet that 100 foot uh, perimeter setback. It could be modified under the new ordinance, but currently would not meet that standard. Okay, uh, I'm just sort of hitting the highlights again of the four outstanding issues we've asked the commission to review. Again, it's the form and aesthetic of what's anticipated by the place site that we're asking the commission to weigh in on. The applicant is, has presented that this is an extension of the densities and layout and format of Brambleton um, for the reasons that they'll discuss. We've asked, there's more of an aesthetic and layout that's anticipated, uh, less dense, more uh, aesthetics in terms of screening, um, and so we'll ask the commission to weigh in on that. The residential uh, improvements or the, the screening they're doing of the adjacent uh, residential parcels, that's some detail we'll need to ask some specificity from. And then here we're recommending some additional detail to the landscape plan and elevations. And we've, we've talked to the applicant about those last two bullets. Fiscal impacts, I went into the detail about this already. It's again the appropriateness of crediting the full value of Ryan Road and what level of contributions would be appropriate for uh, non-market rate units. Okay. And then just the, the minor detail, the income range that the one UNU would serve under the ADU option. And again, the applicants already agreed to, um, to put specificity in their proffer statement about that. So that is the conclusion of my comments or updates. All right, thank you, Marchant. Do we have questions from the commission for staff? Or we do have our wonderful folks from LCPS and DTCI here. So if you have transportation and school questions, we are we are ready and able to get those answered too. Vice Chair Combs. Thank you, Madam Chair. I, in fact, have transportation and schools questions. So I appreciate uh, staff being here. Come on. Um, Marie, I guess let's start with transportation. Marchant mentioned the Ryan Road improvements are um, currently underway, at least I understand, in design phase. Um, and estimated completion, if the county were to construct those improvements, is 2030? That's correct, fiscal year 2030. And the anticipated budget for completion is? Roughly $35 million for the cost. Oh. Okay, and what the applicant is proposing to do, is it essentially exactly what the county is proposing to do? Yes, their plans do align with the county's CRCP that was submitted. Okay, and I, I think I understand from the referral comments we got at public hearing on this, DTCI, but maybe you can confirm, DTCI is generally supportive of the applicant essentially taking over the improvement project for DTCI. That's correct. I mean, we would still review their construction plans. We would still make sure it's consistent with what the county's looking for. Um, the fact is, and I think this is kind of the point that you're getting to, is that the applicant would be able to do this faster and cheaper than the county would be able to. And I'll have an, a question for the applicant on specifics for that, but do you have an understanding as to how quickly they can get it done? So based on the application materials that we've reviewed, um, looking at their proffer statement and the traffic study, what we're seeing is they plan to have this in place by 2026 with their full development, assuming that full development is in 2026. Worst case, they would have this in place and open by before they issue the occupancy permit for their 231st unit because they would need it to support that. Now again, they do have the option per their proffer statement 
to opt out of that and pay regional road and transit contributions. And so there is still that option for them to not provide it. Okay. Thank you, Marie. Sure. Um, question on schools, if I, I might. Um, I noticed in, in some of the referral comments that it looks like the schools are anticipating um, a kind of a downward trajectory for population of the, the local elementary, middle, and high school. Is that, is that the case? Or is, and, and if so, why is that? For enrollment, Bev Tate. Sorry, we have multiple topics here, so that's why we were tag teaming. <laughs> Bev Tate with Lawton School. So we are um, showing a decline in the enrollment in the fact that we are going to be utilizing Watson Mountain Middle School to serve grade six until the high school that we are ever optimistic when we bring it to you later this month opens in the fall of 28. At that time, we would be doing attendance zones so that Watson Mountain would become a full-fledged middle school and HS14 would be its compared high school. So it does look like our enrollments are dropping when you look at what we provided in our referral because we're looking at three secondary schools instead of the typical two to provide that space for students until those second new schools open. Okay, so then the this the student generation from this project would be well accommodated by the new schools coming online. We would anticipate yes sir that we would have capacity for the students. Yes. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Commissioner Moderetti. Thank you, Madam Chair. A quick question for the staff, uh, Masha. Yes, sir. Um, you know, if you uh, just, just for myself to understand the buffer, mm -hmm. um, the corner of Ryan Road and Evergreen, this doesn't belong to the applicant, right? That, that corner is owned by somebody else right now. Correct. The three lots on the northwest side are, are owned by different, right. different entities. So on that area, how does the buffers work? Uh, the applicant still have to give 75 feet after those homes or? No, so the, they, right behind the, the 100 foot I said back earlier was if they were developing under the new ordinance, they would have to adhere to that or modify it. The, the yards that they're providing, and they'll have more detail, um, they've reduced the rear yards, but I'll have to defer to them. If you're asking about what is this current? Exactly, that's actually. What is that right there? I'll let them, if they have the opportunity to answer, I'll have them talk about the distance uh, from those lots. Okay. Do we have a stipulation how much it should be? Other than on this graphic, no. There's the individual lot sizes where the structures are on the lot, right. but it would be measured based on what the graphic is right here. Thank you. Yep. Commissioner Jasper. Um, thank you. Um, I have a few qu questions, um, Marchant, that are yes, come from my novice status. Um, one relates to the affordable housing units. Mm -hmm. um, so the applicant has proffered 12 or is planning on building 12.5% as affordable housing. Yes, ma'am. What is typically anticipated in this place type well, the, for affordable housing? Would be the ordinance standard, which would be the 39 units that they're proffering. Okay. So there's, I, I know sometimes the, um, you know, in speaking with the applicant, they were talking about the kind of large number of units being offered, but this is really just the basic requirement. This is what the ordinance would, would allow you, ma'am. Okay. All right. That's helpful. Um, uh, 
The, uh, the applicants talked about this becoming part of Brambleton and describing the road buffer as, you know, typical for the Brambleton neighborhood. And uh, questions came up for me about in the, you know, I, I don't think Brambleton is part of the transition policy area. Um, is it or is There is the Western, the, the policy area is split, and I'm sorry I don't have the land use map in front of me. But this is in the, let me go back to a larger map. So generally, if you can see my cursor, yep. there's generally the divide along the power lines, I, yep. which splits it, the transitions on the east, and uh, suburban is on the right side of the power line easements, generally. So some of Brambleton is in, in the TPA, but uh, most of it, it seems like, is on the suburban policy area. Correct. The, what, the east side of, see what the, where Brambleton is? Uh -huh. You see the up in north and south power lines? It's generally the dividing line that's there. Okay. So. And, and is the um, Brambleton landscaping typical for what the comprehensive plan anticipates for the transition policy area? For what Brambleton, I'd, I'd have to go out there today. I know typically they've enhanced it through berms and our types of things, but the, the plan would not anticipate that manner of screening for this place type. Okay. Um, and then this is another question that's come up for me. I was looking at the transition small lot neighborhood place type yes, um, graphic that's in the place in the uh, general plan. Mm -hmm. And it looks like uh, it talks about irregular lot sizes. And it appears that those small lots are um, both ir irregular in shape and have yards, typically. Mm -hmm. um, is, is that the expectation? Yes, ma'am. And that's the policy conflict that we've asked the commission to weigh in on. So. Okay. All right. Thank you. Commissioner Kears. Oh, could you, could you put the, the outstanding issues back up? I didn't have it. I couldn't find it in my package. There was another list of them. Uh, hang on a second. Uh, that was the one. Yes, we were breaking okay. PowerPoint. Yeah, so the, the text. So, so envision extensive wooded buffers maintaining the rural appearance of the surrounding roads. I'm trying to figure out what your as the expectation is they will plant an extensive wooded buffer because. That, Driving by there, there is no wooded buffer along Ryan Road. It's just open, open lots. So what, I, I'm wondering what the, I mean, they have landscape buffers along the road that they've proposed, mm -hmm. but this says is not envisions. I'm, what I'm wondering is, is it envisioning something that doesn't exist there? If it doesn't exist there, why would it be an outstanding issue? I, I guess maybe that's my question. Well, and that's what we, we waited for you. If the, if the commission feels that the existing context is not appropriate to apply that standard, then okay. I expect that would be the position you would take. Okay. Um, and, and as far as I, I see this a lot about innovative design. Um, I, no, I don't know if anybody can tell me what the definition of an innovative design is for, for housing types. But one thing I did note in this that I have not seen in a lot of communities is they got multiple width lots, which is going to give you multiple size houses in a diversity of, of sizing, as well as the cottage lots. 
which I kind of like, because you're going to have, which means you're going to have smaller houses, which will always be less expensive than bigger houses. So it helps develop a diversity of, of pricing, uh, to make it more affordable for some folks. Uh, um, does staff have a definition of what an innovative design is? That the look of the house? What, what what are you looking for that this doesn't provide? Are you are you looking at innovative design from the zoning ordinance modification? Well, it, it was why I noticed. I read it up there on one of the. I thought it was one of the outstanding issues about innovative doesn't or the uh, I'm sorry the um, when it was listed under the findings for denial was it not providing um, innovative design I'm trying to figure out what do they need to do to provide innovative design it was item four in the the, the um, findings for denial correct so the, the the zoning ordinance modification standards talk about do when they're reducing yards when they're increasing lot coverage when increasing purpose service coverage um, is the rationale that overall it's, it's the purpose of that of the modification is not to increase density or the purpose of increasing density on the lot. It should be a standard. Does it improve upon the existing regula regulation? Does it exceed the public purpose or provide some innovative design? So in our assessment, it seems these are, are meant to increase the uh, unit uh, density on the on the site. And that's our assessment is that's not a, an innovative design because it's meant to otherwise do that. We agree, okay. provides a, a range of unit types. We don't disagree with that. The layout for what it is is interesting. Our question to the commission is, is this the right place for this type of development? Okay, I get so. you. Thank you. I got one question here too. Commissioner Barnes. Yes, ma'am. Uh, the transportation, you know, there, there are going to be about 39 uh, affordable housing in there. And... Uh, the, is there any transportation like buses or something uh, going there or going by there uh, to pick them up if they don't if they don't have a way to drive someplace uh, to get someplace from place to place? So as part of this application, Commissioner Barnes, we have asked for bus shelter easements and contributions towards bus shelters to be provided with this. Um, there is currently service depending on how you measure it, roughly three quarters of a mile to the west of this, or to the east of this site over at North Star and Ryan. And so the expectation is that if this development were to come online and the, the bus shelter easements are provided, that we could extend service there in the future. So the services can be available to them. They can so be, They won't yes. get stranded. Right, and that's and why we ask for that as part of this application. Okay, thank you. Commissioner Banks, did you have any questions for staff at this time? No, Madam Chair, no questions at this time. Thank you. Okay. All right. I'm going to go ahead and I'll, I'll let you have a second bite at the apple, Commissioner Jasper. Thank you so much, Chair Frank. Uh, sorry, I forgot this question. Um, so, Marshawn, I look at the green space in this and the requirement in the TSL and place type, I think, and maybe even in the prior zoning was to have a 50% green space allocation, mm -hmm. green and open, and that the uh, development is supposed to center on those, you know, focus, I think is the word, on those green spaces. Mm -hmm. In this case, there's kind of this interesting condition where there's a, you know, floodplain going through the center of the site with, at least on the eastern side, a steep slope. Um, and I, uh, you know, so this is going to be, um, you know, uh, there's going to be a trail through it. I understand that. 
um, and it will be a visual divider, but at some level, um, most of the open space being offered is really not, you know, generally usable. I mean, you might say that the trail going through is usable, and the condition of having this kind of green buffer between the two sides of the, you know, the development are, are, is very interesting and, and potentially appealing. But um, would you normally think, would the staff normally look at something like this as satisfying the, you know, kind of recreation and usable open space goals of um, that requirement? I think how it's being used in this instance is, is appropriate. What we've raised is that at four dwelling units per acre, there's a lot of site constraints here, a lot of configuration, the the that, that, the, the um, presence of floodplain, the the boundaries sort of being articulated, that makes it hard to to achieve that that density, and so at a lesser density, perhaps you may be to more do the the, the more of the aesthetic we talked about earlier, the the clustering, and those things outside of these elements. But it's it's the challenge of trying to meet all those elements with the density proposed with all the constraints that are on the lot. So hopefully that answered your question. Yes, the way they're preserving the floodplain is generally consistent. It's the overall layout and aesthetic of the units that we're asking the commission to weigh in on. So. Okay, thank you. Okay, we'll let uh, Commissioner Miller get a minute to take a seat. I will come back to him if he'd like to. Um, I do have a couple questions though for staff before we move on. Um, I guess my first question is an LCPS road question. So, um, that's a Jefferson Miller question. That is that is yeah. a Mr. Miller. You know, yeah. we had a false start earlier, but we really need you now. Okay. Um, I, I guess I'm trying to really make sure I fully understand. So indulge me if you will. Um, the scope and the timing for the Evergreen Mills improvement that LCPS has underway right now. Where where you you start at Ryan Road on the north end, and then you go f to where? Uh, so the record, for the record, Jefferson Miller with LCPS. Um, as part of the referral requirements, DTCI has stated that they will require LCPS to improve Evergreen Mills Road between Red Hill Road and Creighton Road um, to okay. accommodate the transportation impacts. Okay, so nothing to the north of Red Hill and Ryan, just that south piece, and that's going to get us all the way, and Marie or Jefferson, whoever wants to answer, that's going to get us all the way to the final four-way, four-lane configuration that that is envisioned for? Well, let me take a step back. Okay. Um, as part of the commission permit, we're not able to have a commission uh, condition for the road. So the road improvements would have to take place if uh, the commission permit is approved with the, the next phase, so gotcha. site plan or CPAP. Um, with that, um, we do have 15% design plans in with the county and VDOT now for that. But until those are complete, I can't say it wouldn't go slightly more or less above. Okay. Um, but it would give the ultimate condition of um, Evergreen Mills Road in this corridor or for this cross section. If you were a guessing man, when do you think that road will be done? Assuming everything, you know, there's things you can't control. I got it. But do we have a quarter in a year, like third quarter of... 2026 or so typically so the high school is anticipated to come online fall of 2028 okay so that would be in line with when we'd anticipate the road improvements to be complete so that is the goal okay all right um 
I think that's my only LCPS transportation question. Thank so. you. Um, all right. Um, Marshawn, I'm going to put your uh, deep knowledge and uh, experience to the test here, if you will indulge me. Okay. Do we still have PDRV, Rural Village? Mm -hmm. What's the density on that usually? Do you happen to recall? <laughs> I didn't prep you this for any of this. This is Stump the Planner, isn't it? No, no, so, I apologize. This has evolved as I've been sitting here, so. I, I want to say it allowed, if it, it anticipated the development of what, is, what would look like four dwelling units per acre, but it's centralized. It's, it's around the countryside village. It's, cl it's clustered. It's condensed. It has some community. It has open space, civic space some limited retail, but the predominant feature would be the open space around it. And was there a percentage of open space around it by any chance? Yes, but yeah, okay. All right. And you're stumping the planner. I'd okay, sorry. All right. Well, I'm sure I there's someone Googling it right now. Somebody's so. probably going to tell me in a minute because yep. I know somebody probably lives in one of them. It's, um, it's 80. I'm looking at the ordinance. What is it? It's 80. I'm looking at the ordinance. So it's 80% open space? And it was in the rural policy area. Yeah. Right. At the time, but that's what Martin's Chase and Evergreen Preserve and everything are, is PDRV. Um, okay. All right. I think that's all I'm going to... Yeah, uh, that's it. Sorry. <laughs> didn't, no, you're fine. I, I know. I didn't, I didn't forewarn me. you that was coming. Colleen, um, I'm in a clutch. Yeah, I, I, I owe you a beer or something. Okay, there we go. Any other questions for staff? You can't, we will let you go back if, if you come up with one later, but okay. All right, we'll go ahead and let the applicant make their presentation then. You, you get the power. Hold on just a second. Uh, okay. That's the, the fancy um, laser. laser Just got to be careful how you touch it. Excellent. For the record, my name is Colleen Gillis. Uh, I'm an attorney with Cooley. Uh, we're going to start with this slide just because I want to set this up for context for everybody um, who doesn't necessarily know. We have worked with the Brambleton HOA and um, we are working through the final details of uh, understanding to be annexed into the Brambleton HOA. We're really proud of this, but this is, you know, we've coordinated our development pattern, our, our landscaping with Brambleton with the ultimate expectation that they will, um, they will obviously be responsible for maintaining, uh, maintaining a lot of that landscaping. Site, as we know, is halfway between uh, the Ashburn District and the Little River District. And we started here, this is an important exhibit for uh, Commissioner Moderetti. This, is, this site is surrounded on a couple of, on virtually every side by either built-out development or soon-to-be built-out development, including the, the schools to the, to the west. We've talked about this layout a ton. I'm going to keep going. Uh, and then I really appreciated what Marchant said and, uh, you know, and also Commissioner Kears. There's four different lot types here, which, which I know, and being in front of you on other applications recently, we don't usually get that diversity in lot type. But we're, or if we do, it's because it's maybe townhomes and two over twos and townhomes of different. We're talking about an all single family detached community with different lot sizes and corresponding different home sizes, maximum home sizes as well. Uh, we talked about the open space. Uh, you all talked about the open space a moment or two ago. And we wanted to, to 
highlight this. We shared this with you at the public hearing in December. We've got a more than an acre Arcola Garden Park. And, you know, for we think that this is a quite special aspect of this plan. I have a one-acre park in my neighborhood. It's used all the time. It's lovely. It's a great gathering space. And what's different about this one is, is that you've got front doors literally leading their front yards out to this space. Additionally, this is another park that's programmed and provided for within the within the community on the west side. And these stars just, just indicate, you know, those areas of open space that, as you can see from this image, are pretty accessible to virtually every homeowner, every resident here. We talked about the third. 39 single-family detached affordable cottage lots. These are three-bedroom homes that will be accessible for people at a, at a for-rent basis uh, with a much longer covenant than, than the 15-year covenant that are on ADUs today. So we're quite proud of this. I think uh, to Commissioner Jasper, you might remember from our conversation under the ZOR, we would only be required to provide uh, 37 affordable dwelling units because you get bonuses for doing the single family detached ADUs. This is a very rare product, not just from a rental perspective, but for the affordability being provided, not in an apartment, not in a townhome, but actually in a single family detached house. And we're really, really proud of that aspect of it. Just some other images of our rear load product, our front load product. Um, and then again, clustering open spaces, focal points, I'm watching my time here. Uh, we've created some natural buffers. I think Commissioner Kirsch, you're spot on when you talk about those existing buffers. It's really just front yards and difficult to make that. But we have enhanced our buffers along the frontage. We've added meadow grasses here to create a more naturalistic setting. Um, and you can see from these images that it is really attractive and that those units are set back. We had the conversation about, about and Marchant raised it earlier, about that 100 foot setback this is an this is an approximately 80 foot setback we are not far off from what the ZOR would require and we are exceeding what the existing zoning ordinance would require I shouldn't say the existing the old ordinance the 1993 revised ordinance would require at 80 feet so we we have tried to marry these competing and various uh, objectives together just another view of that naturalistic landscaping here are those zoning modifications and and Marchant has already identified them for the most part we are complying with the, uh, the, the zoning ordinance specific standards for this place type. We didn't have that when we submitted this application, right? The ZOR wasn't adopted. We didn't have a transition small lot neighborhood place type, uh, transition small lot neighborhood zoning ordinance. We're quite proud that we are almost there meeting every single one of these, these, um, these zoning ordinance requirements for this specific place type. With regard to transportation, we think that this is really the, the gem here. We've got roughly 16.6 .6 total contributions that we would pay on a per unit basis. You can see here between the, the transit and the transit contributions, we're about $1.8 million of contributions. We can't do a $35 million road and pay another $15 million of, of cap facilities on top of that. So we are proposing to, to build this upfront faster, as Marie has said, faster than the county could, and we're proud of that. Um, Additionally, we are going to do an additional unmet housing needs unit if we go the ADU route. And importantly, that's consistent with what we did at Fleetwood South. I think that that's the last, I'm just gonna, if you'll indulge, indulge me just for the setbacks to the neighboring parcels. Chair Frank, you asked us at the last public hearing to, to coordinate with those outlier parcels, the one in the bottom left corner and the one uh, at the top off of Ryan Road. We did 
Angela Rossis of Toll Brothers actually went and met and sat in their, their living rooms and their kitchens and talked to them. With regard to this parcel, they specifically asked for a six-foot-tall fence. We gave them the option. That was what they wanted. We've gotten confirmation that they're pleased with that as a solution that's been added to the proffers. And then with regard to the parcel south on the south side of Ryan Road, they actually didn't want a fence. They wanted landscaping, and so we've added that to the proffers. And again, they've acknowledged their support and, uh, for that commitment. And with that, I came close to five minutes. I'll get faster next time. Okay. Commissioner Miller. Thank you. So um, while I was not here in person, um, I was actually doing um, real-time planning commission work as I was literally driving past this project on my way here. Um, so I could stop at the light and look and see all the um, goings-on. Um, I heard and I listened on the way in, um, Marie mentioned that there's an option in the proffers for Ryan Road. Right. Explain, Lucy. <laughs> well, we're asked by staff, obviously, that if somebody comes in and does it before we do it, right? If for some reason the entire market craters, we are all immediately subject to 20% interest rates for mortgages that the county goes and, and toll says, this is not the day for it, this is not the year for it, and somebody else comes in and does it. We need, the county needs obviously a way to hold our feet to the fire and keep us on, keep us whole, keep themselves whole on that contribution. So we have to pay per unit contributions if somebody else builds it and to pay for our fair share, which is about $2.3 million. So it's not a, if we decide later we don't want to build it, we'll give you um, fees. No. no. And there's we're, an obligation. We want to build it. We want to build it. We have an obligation within the proffers to submit the construction plans and profiles within four months of approval of this application. So if it's approved, we got to get those plans in within four months. It, it is our way to demonstrate to the county we're serious about doing this road improvement project. We're going to move on it quickly and that we've got skin in the game already. To, to that point, we already have skin in the game because we've worked on the design. We've worked on we're doing the pre-work because it's not like we're, we can wait until it's approved and then our engineer get going and submit those plans within four months. We're already doing the work now to start getting ready. Okay. Um, question about timing, because this section of road, um, Ryan Road, um, you were here before us a couple years ago representing another applicant yep. who wanted to get a change to the delivery of a um, of a swimming pool complex for Brambleton yep. because the, ti the timing trigger in road improvements could not be met because this corridor had work that needed to be done by Washington Gas, yep. and their their time frame is when we get to it. They don't have a time frame. Um, it finally was finished. Yes, um, much to my delight because I drive through this corridor, and you're you're the only person in the room that drives through that corridor more than me <laughs> right now. Um, when that was done, this is kind of relating to that your knowledge of that. When that was all finished, right. did that eliminate? Not to eliminate. Did it solve all those problems such that when this portion of the road is is taken up, we won't have a washing gas issue? Right. I don't. I, let me say this: We are working, and and maybe Dave McElhaney of Urban wants to come to the table. I mean, we are we are analyzing those easements, et cetera, to to make that possible. I don't know that we've solved for all of those issues because I ha I'm not doing that work, but. Right. Yeah, we've been coordinating, excuse me, we have a dry utility consultant that we're already engaged and we're working through what needs to be relocated where so that we are ready to okay. um, pursue that one. I think the main issue that, that happened last time was that that portion of Ryan Road was crossing the um, gas easement. Mm -hmm. I believe, exactly. 
correctly. So that yeah. had a cross Ryan. Yep. Now any holdup would just be stuff that runs along right. parallel with Ryan. Right. Yeah. Just shouldn't right. generally. And what's be already there, we have to relocate. Correct. With and, the that's, and that's right. you'd have to relocate. Right. Not the Washington gas issue with crossing into the right. gas main. Right. Okay. Thank you. Makes me crazy. <laughs> Commissioner Moderetti. Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, I really like the fact that um, applicant wants to build the entirety of the Ryan Road. I like the fact that. So where I'm having problem, I don't know who can kind of give me some clarity on maybe staff here is, looks like um, this particular place type, we can build four dwelling units per acre, which this applicant is doing it. So is it more about the look and feel of it? Is it like, does this design doesn't show the open spaces or do we need more open spaces? <clears throat> Where is the disconnect here that w what can applicant do to make this happen here? You're asking me the question. So it's, with the ADU units, it's over 4.0, which is, which is typical when, they, when, when they're adding that component to it. I think here, because of the site constraints I said earlier, for them to meet the spirit of it, they would have to reduce units. Um, and as I said earlier, there's a cost to doing that. So that would, that would be the, the, the sum total for them to have to, to further meet the, the intent of the policy. Okay. Maybe this question, maybe you're not prepared, but do we kind of know how many number of units if we reduce? will probably meet the criteria? Well, if you do the units, it'll drop below the, the anticipated density, but it would it would better accommodate the, the, like I said, the th aesthetic and form that's there. So I believe there's two ways there, and correct me if I'm wrong, there's two parts of it. They're seeing as a natural extension of, of Brambleton in that it provides that. I guess the policy would anticipate a distinct transition or a distinct separation of this project from the development patterns that were approved under a different plan for the other elements of Brambleton that are around it. And that's what we had asked it last time, was did, did the commission want to see some distinguishing characteristics that separated this development from Brambleton, or were they comfortable being a natural extension of, of the Brambleton uh, layout and design and aesthetic that they've done over the years? So does that make sense? So. Yeah, that, thank you much. I mean, personally, myself, I, I, I kind of like, if, if this is going to be annexed into Brambleton, I think the Brambleton buffer and the way the design, I think I'm okay with on the Ryan Road side of it, but maybe not on the Evergreen because that's where really the transition zone comes in. Um, maybe we need a bigger buffer. I don't know, I haven't made my mind yet, but on the Ryan Road side, maybe I'm okay with it, but not on the, not on the Evergreen side. So, again, it's just a comment. It may not be a question for anyone. So thank you. Commissioner Jasper. Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, so like everybody, or like a few people on the dais tonight, I spent a good bit of today driving down Evergreen Mills too. <laughs> and, um, and, and I was pleased to see that, for the most part on Evergreen Mills, that kind of more rural buffer condition exists. Um, not right in front of this project right now, or not right in the, right actually in front of the project, it kind of does, but on the lots that aren't included, they do have a large setback front yard condition. 
Um, my own opinion about plantings is whatever gets planted is the buffer is going to be planted by the applicant, whether it is, you know, natural grasses or trees or whatever. And so they can plant A or they can plant B, and it's really not that much of a difference in terms of what this commission might be asking the applicant to do. Um, so I just wanted to chime in that I was driving around today in your neighborhood, Colleen. <laughs> Welcome. Hopefully somebody greeted you with a basket of something. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, so anyway, I'd have to report it if they didn't. Um, so, uh, so I had a couple of que other questions about the application. Um, one is affordability. I know when we spoke on the phone, you were specifying 30 to 70 percent of AMI, but I don't think that's in the proffer statement. So that's, a, that's an ordinance requirement. For, for ADUs are 30 to 70 percent AMI, and we're happy to add the requirement um, that the UNU be for sale for people making between 70 and 100 percent of AMI. Okay. Thank you. That, that's useful clarification. I appreciate that. Um, so I'm, I'm, this is, a, I'll, I'll preface this with a little bit of opinion. I, I think this is a bit of, um, a wonky situation, right? Because of the floodplain and, and the stream in there. And so for the same amount of land, you are, um, constrained, I think, to come up with what is, I think, a denser layout than, you know, I'm just going to say would be preferred, um, whether it's under the old zoning, but certainly we've all known about the transition policy area and the small lot place type, um, you know, for a while now, even though we didn't have the ZOR enacted to back it up. Um, I think, so it's very tight, and I feel like even though these are single-family units, they feel more like attached because they have very little in the way of front yard and side yard, and they will be really relying on those open space units. So the, all the folks, you know, kind of fronting on those, that is going to be their only outdoor space. and. Um, I drove around um, uh, the areas in Creighton Road, and I, I, I you know, it, it reminded me of the pandemic when people were so desperate to have places to be outside their units. And, and I think that this will be, this place will be stressed if something like that were to happen again, because there really isn't a lot of common area. So I'm, I'm uncomfortable with that. And the other thing that I'm uncomfortable with with the application is, and it is uh, Commissioner Moderetti has already kind of raised it, on Evergreen Mill, this is where we are making the transition to, you know, the, the more rural um, environment of the transition policy area and then the rural policy area. And I think the requirements related to the buffers are incredibly important there. And only more important because what they're going to be tucking away is a very dense development that looks almost like row homes in an urban environment, even though, you know, as a visual matter, it's not going to look that different from it. 
So I think that, um, you know, I, I agree with Commissioner Moderetti that, you know, I'm less concerned about Ryan Road. I understand there are two large schools going in across the street, and they will be an exception in the landscape. But schools always are like that, and they tend to have a lot of open space. And so I don't think that reads as either, you know, not rural or whatever. You're always kind of looking at that with schools. So um, I, the, the thing that I, I think it, I'm absolutely most uncomfortable with in this application is that you're going to be driving down Evergreen Mill, and you're going to be looking at a Brambleton, a suburban style, um, landscape and there's nothing wrong with the suburbs and suburban style landscapes and I believe that everybody's super happy with what's gone on there but this is intended to be a transition and so I'm quite uncomfortable with that. That thank you for for your comments. One um, and, I, and I wish I had a, I don't think I've got an image that really shows this um, but Brambleton does exist to the south as well, right? So it, it exists or it is under it is being constructed currently south of the site on Evergreen Mills Road. And well, what we did, just for whatever it's worth, is um, because we've just got a you know we've got those number of homes that are on the Evergreen Mills Road side that the the rest of it are don't have, if you will, frontage. Those those homes don't have frontage right. on Evergreen Mills Road, but they but they front we. We put the front doors or the side sides of the units facing that to make it attractive. But what we did do is we looked at the looked at where the homes will be sited on Brambleton to the south of the floodplain because that is a Brambleton neighborhood that is within the transition policy area, and those setbacks there are about 80 feet as well. Um, and so, definitely hear what you're saying, Commissioner Jasper. Don't don't take this. I'm not hearing you. We did also try to get a get a a sense of how consistent were we with the development pattern that will exist on the east side of Evergreen Mills Road down to Creighton. And based on those setbacks, we're roughly consistent with what's going to exist there based on based on those subdivision and, and plans down there. I guess I have two thoughts about that. One is if the if a mistake was making and an exception made and an exception was granted previously, I don't see any reason to reinforce it. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and uh, I, I think that's really basically it, and that, that the vast majority of Evergreen Mill, I still think, is in this, you know, kind of quasi-rural yeah. uh, buffer condition. So, thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Kears. <clears throat> Do you have so your density is just a hair under four, correct? Four units per acre. It's three point eight. Right. I, do you know what the densities around this are, the Brambleton portions, not north of Ryan or on the other side of Evergreen Mill? Yep. Um, I don't know if you have anything that yeah, shows. So, yeah, so the density to the east of, the, of our site in Brambleton all the way out to North Star is 4.28 to the acre. So it's about, a, it's, it's, you know, a little bit, let's call it roughly a half, an eight, half a dwelling unit to the acre denser than what we are. Okay, thanks. Commissioner Barnes. Yes, ma'am. Oh wait, I, hold on, hold on. Sorry, Marshall. No, I just say that. I didn't want to. Are you talking about the, the the density without the ADUs is three point eight and above four with the ADU thirty nine units? Oh, I'm sorry. I was saying the actual density, like not 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 the plan density. I was I was saying the actual density. We we calculated that based on the land area. That includes the ADUs, including ADUs. Yes. Okay. Yep. We had had it over four. I think we had it at about four point eight. I love your number. Okay. But I I but we calculated. 
did it differently. Yeah. Okay. Commissioner Barnes. Yes, thank you. It's for the staff uh, question. Okay. Turn your, your mics off. Sorry, I turned it off. You're good. Uh, how many units do you think that they have to reduce to come to where uh, the staff will be happier and acceptable to I, the development? I, I couldn't begin to tell you that. <laughs> because that would, they would have to that, that would have to be on their pro forma. There's a number, all sorts of variables that would need to do that. I couldn't tell you a number of what they need to reduce by. So they have to reconfigure the whole thing. Is that, is that what you're saying? I think to fully meet the policy, they would need to reconfigure the lots. Okay. And based on the constraints of the site, they would likely have to reduce units. So. Okay, thank you. Commissioner Banks, do you have any questions? Uh, no further questions, Madam Chair. Thank oh. you. All right, thank you. Vice Chair Combs. Uh, uh, thank you, Madam Chair. <clears throat> I want to follow up on a couple of points that uh, some of my fellow commissioners have raised. Um, with respect to the Ryan Road improvements, uh, Marie had mentioned, I think, a, a, roughly a, a 2026 target for you, you all if you're going to pick it up and, and take on the road. And then we also have this 230th or 231st um, permit trigger what do you think realistically is the time in yeah i can i can answer that so if we were building the road and we had control of all the property right um we'd go through the cpap plat process and um you know a year or so and construct it within another year here we've got off-site properties so that's kind of the delta and the unknown and how fast we can actually construct it and have it open so we've allocated um, you know like a whole nother year to get that hopefully it's sooner right so we're going to start like um, Colleen mentioned we're going to submit the CPAP within the CPAP and the plats so we need to know where all the easements are all the dry utilities so that we can submit for a review um, go through that process anticipate a year um, and then if it takes another year to get all the off-site property owners um, you know coordinated on the land acquisition, that's just an unknown. So that's a delta. So that would put us, if that took a whole year, that would put us in 2026 to start, and then that would take about a year to complete in 27. We are looking to open for sale on our first units in late 26. So the hope is that we would have that road constructed and those entrances built for when we open for sale. That's our front door. That's where we want you know, to bring our, our residents in. But unfortunately, th there's that unknown that we can't control as far as the offsite owner. So that's where that delta and unknown. Okay, that's helpful, thank you. Mm -hmm. um, and I understand, Colleen, you made the point earlier, if, if Ryan Road is built by others, then you're relieved, right? And you pay your, your contributions. Yep. But the proffers also include this other, it looks like, and this might have been the option that Marie was referring to, in the in this section on, bear with me here, um, interim development prior to completion, um, there's this alternative to bonding. It's in um, proffer 11A2C. So on page 15, there's this, um, in that subsection, as an alternative to bonding the Ryan Road improvements, the owner may, in its sole and absolute discretion, make the contributions and be relieved of the construction. 
So that's not a, hey, if it's built by others, you know, we'll just proceed. That, that seems to be just a, a fully unfettered option to say, we'll do it or we won't, in which case we yeah. may be stuck in, in the county timeline. I'd have to go back and just just reread that provision separately, okay. if that's okay. My recollection is is that that was the scenario in which we've done the plans and and we we pause and and we don't want to bond the plans. Somebody else is going to take them over. That was my recollection of this, but I'd love the opportunity to just read it calm and read all the context. Yeah, sure. I don't. I, I, yeah, I, don't, I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember I, all the. Reasons. I don't. I don't intend for you to go through. Yeah, kind of hash uh, that out, let me but. let me say it this way. Our intention is to build this. There, th we do not have an intention for an out to go. And, and, and I will say this. My reputation is on the line when I say to you, our intention is to build this, not to not to just go, oh, we're going to check out. Toll's reputation is on the line to not be in that situation. I got to refresh my memory that it's an iterative process on the, the proffers and I can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah fair enough. Yeah. I would encourage then that that proffer 11A2C be revisited so as yeah. to not provide that out. We understand. Give the county the assurance that it yeah. is not just an option that you are pursuing, right. um, but that you do in fact intend to. Yeah. Um, with respect to the, uh, you answered the UNU range issue. Mm -hmm. um, oh, with respect to the AHUs, and uh, I think Marchant mentioned uh, it's programmatic in terms of the length of the, the commitment. I've heard this 75 year number and I can't remember where I heard it. Can you just explain to us where the 75 year is is coming from? I didn't see it in the proffers, and what is the what is the situation with that? So we've got Ben Miller with Wellington Development, who is uh, we hope to be our partner for those AHU units. Yeah. So the the, the tax credit compliance period is is 30 years, and typically, in return for subordinate debt from the county trust fund, we commit to anywhere from 60 to 75 to 99 years. And so that's typically where the 75 years has come from. And all the projects that we have done prior, Seneca, um, I'm sorry, Loudon View Senior, mm -hmm. Tuscarora Crossing, Arcola, we have committed to 75 years of affordability. Okay, so Virginia housing is the 30 year, and then to get the subordinate debt from the county. Te or, technically or Virginia, yeah, Virginia housing at minimum is 30. They give you an option of 60 or giving a nonprofit the right of first refusal. And so, again, in all the projects we've done in Loudoun and are doing, we've given a nonprofit the right of first refusal, much like we would do here. And so, in effect, the 75 years becomes infinite because the nonprofit will likely buy the project after the 15 or 30 year compliance period and then keep that project affordable yeah. indefinitely. So, 70, I mean, it, the way. The way we look at it, at minimum you're getting 75 years, but more likely you're getting it indefinite. Okay. Okay, that's helpful. Thank you. Um, and then with respect to the, um, the buffers, particularly along Evergreen Mills Road, as Commissioner Jasper mentioned the, the, in the comp plan supports, this forested buffer, right, and Evergreen Mills seems to have more of that forested buffer currently than does Ryan Road. Yep. And you proposed these meadow plantings um, in that, that, that section of Evergreen Mills Road on the frontage there. Yeah. Would doing a, instead doing a forested buffer, is that something that you all would be willing to do there? You mean to plant, plant trees instead of? Instead of the yeah, meadow I, plantings? 
Yeah, I mean, as so long as to make it more consistent with what's currently along Evergreen Mills Road, is that something the applicant would be willing to consider? Yeah, I, I, we're happy to happy to consider it. We want to look at utility constraints, obviously, um, things of that nature. Um, I'm going to turn over to to Dave McElhaney to speak uh, okay. to. If, so maybe there's there's a utility issue that for sure that's going to impact it. There's fiber on that side of Ryan. They just moved it there. I'm sorry. Oh, I thought we were talking about Evergreen Mills. I'm talking so about Evergreen. You're talking about Evergreen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, all right. yeah. Um, the other consideration that we had when we were kind of laying this out as well was we knew we were going to have to time this with the school's uh, improvements to Evergreen Mills. So the idea was to to make sure we did not get in their way. Um, but we do have latitude if we want to introduce um, uh, more forested uh, type condition, as you've described. Um, uh, but again, we just need to be careful on timing and not plant trees and have those trees removed when schools come in. Yeah, I wouldn't want you to plant trees that they're just going to right, bulldoze so they can build a road. Right. Um, but if there's a way for you all to ensure that the ultimate condition there is a forested buffer instead of the the meadow plantings, is that something? Yes, you absolutely. We've enhanced the buffer. I think you're asking whether we can enhance it further and we can definitely look at that. I also have an answer on your proffer question if you want me to go back to that. Sure. Yeah, so um, so here's the gist of it, is, is that the county will not issue, so the very first thing that we will get in the county, and I'm saying this for the benefit of those who are new to the commission, the to build a unit is a zoning permit. It's like a building permit in any other jurisdiction, but it's a zoning permit in Loudoun County. County does not want to issue us any zoning permits to construct any units until, understandably, we have bonded Ryan Road. In order to bond Ryan Road, the plans need to be approved. And so this only gives us the option to pay the CAP facilities, the regional transportation and transit, if we are so anxious to get some it, it'll be a business decision for toll right they will make that decision as to whether or not they want to maybe get a get a zoning permit or two pulled so that they can build their model home court or build some of those while they wait for the the plans to be approved so that they can bond ryan road so i, I we can definitely clarify that when we yeah, looked, I oh, I was, reimbursement aspect in there i i, I suppose that's what it, it's getting have, after do we have Right. If you pay, if you pay them and then go and bond, then right. you would be reimbursed the right. contributions you had made to right. date. I exactly. See that mechanism in there. Exactly. I'm wondering if if we can still tighten that up to make it totally more reflective of your actual commitment to build yes. that road. Yes. No. Absolutely. It was really okay. just. It was a. It was a. We understand that the county doesn't want us to get any zoning permits without either the bond in place or, or us paying cap all those contributions. So yes, okay. we can definitely tighten that language up. Thank you for indulging me. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks. Okay. Madam, yes, so make a clarification. So this is what happens when you take over a case from somebody else, right? Two numbers floating out there, 3.8 and 4.8. 3.8 across the acreage of 80 acres is 3.8 with the ADUs, which was what the applicant stated. In the item, we had done some analysis about what happens if you were to remove the floodplain area, which reduces about by 17 acres. That makes the, the balance uh, of the property about 4.8. So that's where, in the staff report, there's two different numbers, but wanted to make a clarification as to why those two numbers were cited. So thank you for letting me do that. Thank you. I like numbers, so prefer having accurate ones. Um, speaking of numbers, remind me, um, Colleen, on the, the current proposal, how much open space is there? 50.1% open space with okay. another 2.5% of the site is in civic use. Okay. 
and I was I was doing math over here earlier, and I'll get to that later. But um, so I didn't catch quite of all of our discussion about Evergreen Mills and timing. Um, at what point would you hope to be, or can you predict? I don't know. I may be asking you for a crystal ball you don't have, but when would you predict opening your access on your side of Evergreen Mills? Are we going to have? You're going to. You're not going to need that right away. Although, I mean, I understand you've got to have Ryan Road. It's as you said, your front door. Right. Yeah. So the intent is that we would build from the east to the west, so that right hand eastern side we would start first. Okay. Um, so yeah, it wouldn't be until later phase. That's going to be a year or two down the road from when we finish, you know, the other side. So in theory, so. if you started selling in 2026, you might not be, construction and traffic aside, but you may not be pushing good old residential folks in and out of that Evergreen Mills entrance until about the time the Evergreen Mills work is done by LCPS in 2028. Right. Okay. So we'll, we'll cross our fingers for more mild winters. Okay. Um, I think that's... Can I just add one more piece yeah, to that? Go ahead. Until Evergreen Mills Road is constructed, the northern entrance onto Evergreen Mills Road is would only ever be a right in right out we don't anticipate getting there until evergreen mills road is constructed but just so you know that we have considered okay. how how if that you beat them right you if can we still keep them, building right or they're slow <laughs> right exactly how long are you talking okay. about this one yeah go what yes, yes. okay yeah. that okay. that one would be a right in right out until evergreen mills road is constructed okay all right and vice chair combs has told me that is proffered so okay all right I think that's all I have. Does anybody else in the commission have any questions for staff or applicants? Oh, Commissioner Jasper. So um, this is going back to exactly the same conversation we've been having with density that Marchant's point raised, which is if you take out the floodplain, you're at 4.8 units per acre. And this is just a question, like when you guys noodle down on how do we create the green space here, the usual usable green spaces, did you have any, you know, kind of um, uh, concept plans that, you know, provided more and how many units did you have to lose to do it? So we did not, uh, to be, I'm not aware of us having a, a plan that, that had less density on it that we, that we went and said, how do we put more units in here? This one doesn't make sense yet. I don't think that's the case. I will say in my years of doing this, I, I've never pulled out the floodplain to calculate density. I know it's a, it's a reference point for, the, for this conversation. Um, but we are trying to balance that sensitivity of the floodplain and, and the environmental sensitivity policies of the comp plan yeah. with, with trying to make it so that it is something that's enjoyable for, for the residents and that, that it is an amenity. Yeah, it just, you know, it, it, it eats into open space and it's a big piece of land on a small, relatively. Yeah, I, I would just add, though, with regards to... Uh, the density calculations here, you know, based on the ordinance, it's always based on the gross area of the site. Prior to road dedication, you include the floodplain, um, the references to density in the comp plan, as well as in the zoning ordinance, or, or assuming the entire site area, which does include the floodplain. Thank you. Can I just add one more thing, too? Um, 
disregarding the floodplain, we actually saw that as wanting to incorporate as much as possible into the application. So we've really looked hard at with our land planners um, throughout this process on incorporating that into a usable space with our parks, you know, along the fringes where we can have those active rec areas and the pedestrian network through it. So we, we wanted to enhance that area and really make it like a wow factor for, you know, Brambleton and these, you know, residents that'll become part of Brambleton as a great place to go. Thanks, Angela. Okay. All right. We are in Little River slash Ashburn. <laughs> I don't know if you all flipped a coin. Who's, who wants to make a motion? I, <laughs> I'll lose, but uh, I, have a, I have a motion if, if you're okay with me making it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Vice Chair Combs. I move that the Planning Commission forward Legi 2023-0034, Arcola Farms Residential, ZMAP 2022-0006, ZMOD 2022-0029, ZMOD 2022-0030, ZMOD 2022-0031, ZMOD 2023-0021, and ZMOD 2023-0022, to the Board of Supervisors with a recommendation of approval, subject to the proffer statement dated January 12, 2024, provided as attachment three to the February 8, 2024 Planning Commission Work Session Memorandum, um, subject to potential revision of that proffer uh, 11A2C, um, and also subject to the commitment to, um, to, uh, to do forest plantings on the buffer along Evergreen Mills Road, um, and based on the following findings of approval. The proposal meets the natural resources policies in the Loudoun County 2019 Comprehensive Plan by providing tree conservation areas and an invasive species management plan. The proposal meets policies of the Loudoun County 2019 Countywide Transportation Plan by, by providing bus shelter easements and will provide cash and lieu contributions for bus shelters in the event that Ryan Road improvements are completed by others. Uh, the proposal constructs the Ryan Road uh, subject to that proffer, changing the, the, the proposal intends to construct the Ryan Road improvements and the proposal provides alternate options for attainable housing units consistent with the Loudoun County Strategic Housing Plan. Second. All right, motion is made by Vice Chair Combs, seconded by Commissioner Miller. Do you have an opening? Um, I, I do briefly, yeah. You know, we saw this at public hearing and I, um, I liked what I saw for the two big feathers in the cap uh, that this application really presents. It's the construction of Ryan Road improvements faster and cheaper than the county can do, as we've heard, um, and the housing product type being on the lower end of the spectrum of size. We've got some arguable market rate affordability, um, but more than that, we're, we're exploring um, a detached AHU product, which we don't have anywhere else in the county and could sorely need a whole lot more of. Um, in order to get those, those things, the Ryan Road improvements, the housing, we need, to, um, we need to pay for them somehow. And we pay for them with more density 
um, by getting more market rate units in there. And now I'll acknowledge this does have a, a form and aesthetic, I think as Marchant suggested, that appears more dense than what the comp plan is suggesting for the place type. Um, particularly the, the, the demonstrative, the image that's in the comp plan. But the density is consistent with the place type, and we have site constraints here that really require this configuration, right? Um, the comp plan can't speak to all site constraints for every property, they're all different. So we just have to be a little bit flexible on that. And I'm willing to be flexible on that given the improvements that we're gonna get at Ryan Road and, uh, and the wonderful housing opportunity. So for those reasons, I would hope my, my colleagues support the motion. Thank you, Commissioner Miller. Thank you. So this is really a unique part of the county when considering the four different policy areas we have. If you cross the street here at the corner of Red Hill where the school site is, and you go from Red Hill, you drive down Ryan Road four miles. In those four miles, you go from rural policy area to transition policy area to suburban policy area to urban policy area in four miles. Um, and that makes this area unique, especially when um, less than a mile, I think it's half a mile into this stretch of Ryan Road, you're at the really one of the front entrances to Brambleton, which this is going to become a part of. Um, and so when, we, when taking that into consideration and, and what Ryan Road, thank goodness, will become um, should this development happen and much quicker than it would otherwise do, um, along with Evergreen Mills, which will be widened to four lanes in its entirety at some point in time, it's, it, it needs to happen um, for safety and security well north of here, but it's, it's on its way and it's coming. And this is going to fit into in the long range of what we expect to see um, on on the I guess this is the east side of um, of Evergreen Mills. Um, there's also the school complexes that are around here, not just the new Red Hill Road complex, but Independence is right here. Briar Woods is across the street. Rockridge is up and down and around the corner. There's four high schools here within a stone's throw. Um, this is what belongs in this area. And I do like, and we did this with Clear Springs, I like the fact that the floodplain, not the floodplain, the floodplain in the middle is being used as, an agri as a feature um, to support the development. Floodplains are not restricted areas. They're, you can hang around and walk in them and do stuff. It's not wetlands, it's floodplain, um, which we, happens occasionally. They get flooded and that's why you don't put um, stuff into the ground, but you can still use it and enjoy it. Um, and finally, I think, and Commissioner Keir stole my thunder before I got here, um, I've been mocking the term innovative in the comprehensive plan for my four years and um, six weeks on this commission. Because of what Commissioner Keir has said, what is innovative? And you can only do innovative once. After that, it's been done before. This project actually gives us real innovative things the different lot sizes, the, the narrow and tall um, type of style of homes, the ADU, detached ADUs. Those are the things that we've asked the development community to provide us and Toll is providing that um, and taking all that into its totality, especially with a net benefit to the county of $17 million for built, not having to build Ryan Road. To me, this is an excellent project for, the, for this location and I will be supporting it. Thank you. Commissioner Kears. Yep. Um, so I'll, I'll support the motion. The reason's been stated. I really like the variety of the lot sizes. 
Uh, the fact that they're all single family homes and not another townhouse and two over two community, I think that is a huge plus. Um, I'll, I'll support the wooding or the putting the trees along Evergreen Mill versus the metal, that's fine. Although I think anybody driving of Evergreen Mill is gonna be more looking at the, what I expect to be another gaudy flashing LED school sign along Evergreen Mill uh, and not worried about um, the houses on the other side, if they can even see them. Um, so I don't think there's it's too much of an issue with, with the visibility of how this community is gonna look. It's, it's the basic logical extension of, of Brambleton and kind of finishes off this piece. And I think it, uh, it's designed to blend right in. So I will be supporting it. Commissioner Jasper. So I'll also support the motion. Um, I, I, for all the reasons that the, my colleagues have suggested, um, I, but I will do it with a cautionary, which is that um, while this is the exception to the um, preferred expression of the transition small lot neighborhood place type, um, there are these unique aspects to this um, application that make it one that I'm comfortable supporting with the change that um, uh, Vice Chair Combs has suggested about adhering to the requirements for the, you know, the forest-like woodland buffer. Thank you. Commissioner Moderetti. Thank you, Madam Chair. I will be supporting the motion too today. Um, again, I really would have liked some redesign considerations for the for the look and feel of um, transition area. Um, as Commissioner Kerr said, it is kind of a logical end to the Brambleton area by the Evergreen, um, but still there is no difference between how the Brambleton looks and how it ends. I, I, I wanted some kind of a more open space, ideally, but just looking at the 17 million the county is going to get is kind of making me overlook. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> shall fall. Uh, anyway, I'll be supporting the motion. Thank you. Commissioner Banks, do you have any comment on the motion? Yes, uh, thank you, Madam Chair. I will be supporting the motion for all the reasons that have already been so eloquently stated by my colleagues <laughs> and that I need not repeat here. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Okay, um, I am the odd man out tonight, apparently. Um, I love Ryan Road getting finished. I love single-family detached affordable units being put on the market and available. Um, I get that this fits with Brambleton, but you know, I, I will say this is my back of the agenda paper calculation, so it's not quite as sloppy as a napkin, but um, this is an 80-acre parcel. If 80% of it had to be open at PD4, similar to the rural village calculations, we'd be looking at 64 units or less than point, or less than one per acre. To the immediate north on Ryan Road, we have a TR10 development, so it's at 0.1 per acre. We also, have, north of that, have a, the most dense thing on that little area is a PDRV with the 80% option, so it's going to be an R4, but with 80% open space, which would get you to the 64 number I have here. To the west, besides the schools and the winery, which is an ag use, just beyond that is Willisford, which was TR3, so less about a third of a unit per acre. Um, so 
I'm going to, I'm kind of with staff in this, and I'm not saying you need to, you know, just split the baby in the middle, but we are at 3.8, which is right up against four versus 0 0.1, 0 0.33. You know, I mean, it's, it's, I feel like we're not close enough. Um, I'm not saying it had to be 80%. I know that's not what, what we're dealing with here in this place type, but I think that would have gotten closer to the feel that staff was looking at, which was more of what the plan envisioned. So that's, that's really my issue. I, am, I would be probably more vocal if we, if we weren't talking about Ryan Road. I think that's critical. I don't, at this point, want money. I want the road. <laughs> so I'm, I'm with you, Vice Chair Gomes. Um, but uh, yeah, so I won't support the motion, but I, there are, are things that are very positive about the development. It's just, I have that pause over, over just not really meeting the plan. You know, when the Planning Commission and the Board of Supervisors a couple of years ago opted not to, very intentionally opted not to increase the density on the Red Hill area when we brought that into TPA so we could bring utilities into it and eventually the schools built, um, there were some voting members who expressed a preference to hold that decision about more density until, and if or until, an area plan was done. And I think that the problem here, and this is no one's fault, is that this is ahead of that effort if that effort is coming in a few years because I think where that to have been done we may be looking at this area a little differently but until then we have the 2019 plan and this is in the TPA and it just doesn't feel very TPA to me so um, with that said uh, I think we're we've all spoken do you have a closing mm, no madam chair okay all right we have a motion on the floor all in favor aye aye aye, aye. opposed nay. nay all right the motion carries we're up to eight now. So six in favor, two opposed. That would be myself and Commissioner Barnes, and one absent, Commissioner Poland Myers. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. That wraps up the legislative portion of our evening and items re returning for action. Um, Marchant is, is you, go ahead. I, I, I was explaining to them what you're about to do, um, besides take back the clicker. The, uh, yeah. At our first work session in January, Marchant did something that we haven't been doing in recent years, which was give us a little bit of a pre-briefing of what was coming to our next public hearing. Um, I will comment a little more on that later, but he is returning tonight to do that again. So um, this is a great time if commissioners have questions or things they'd like to know more about at the public hearing to share that. He obviously is not the project manager on every one of these applications and probably cannot answer all of our questions, but um, he can relay them back. And I think that uh, both commissioners, staff, and applicants found this to be a very valuable exercise the last time. So I greatly appreciate staff being willing to incorporate this in all of our future work sessions, and especially since there's an extra burden on Marchant to do it. So No problem. So um, typically your briefing item would be ahead of this briefing, so you have some chance to go over the details, but the, the order of, of meetings this month has it a little bit behind. So you have three applications that will be coming to you in February, which as a reminder, the date has changed. We all remember it's on Monday, right? Okay. As a reminder, we're on Monday. But first application, this is Hiddenwood Lane. Uh, I just apologize, I don't have a, a, a wider graphic, but this is south of, of the properties that you were just looking at. Off to the right, over to the right of the screen will be Evergreen Mills, uh, Evergreen Mills Road. 
Um, Racefield Lane takes you down to Route 50 to the south. Um, and uh, was it um, Glasscock Field? That project is down off to the lower right-hand side. JK1 is, was a data center campus that was approved several years ago that was just to the south down in this area. Uh, this is the gas pump uh, station that you looked at, or commission permit you looked at several years ago. This is the high voltage power lines. And just in the north of the here is the, is the Wishing Star applications that you just reviewed. So this application is to convert the property from CR1 to PDGI. Do I have that correct? Make sure I have that correct. Yep, no, sorry, PDIP. Uh, it'll be 20, 28 acres from CR1 Countryside Residential to Plan Development uh, Industrial Park Zoning District. Uh, they have proffered uh, to exclude several types of IP uses that might be offensive to Briarfield's estates, but it would allow data center development um, on the property. So. And this is a, a layout of our concept development plan. What you see to the left of the screen is the future, I believe, North Star Boulevard coming down. And then you see um, some setbacks and some buffers to Briarfield Estates just to the north. So. <clears throat> Any some initial questions? So, so the purpose of tonight is similar to what we did tonight where we're going to take your questions. And just as a rule of thumb, if it's something we can pull off the shelf or something we can point to, we'll get it for you. If it's something that's going to take a little bit more analysis or time, then we'll let the chair know and if we need to dedicate resources to do that. And generally what we do is once we get the questions, we divide and conquer with the applicant. Those that the applicant can answer, they'll prepare and be prepared for their presentation. We'll have a slide in our presentation that says these were the questions. Excellent. So thanks. Commissioner Miller. Yes. So. Um, this application, what it essentially does is no longer pisses off the Hidden Road client, the homeowners. <laughs> it just moves the pissing off to the um, Briarfield Estates. So my questions that I will have are um, the height, of the pros height of these buildings, and also the relative distance from, if you could go back to the previous slide, that one. The relative distance of the, the upper, in this example, the upper side of those home, of that, the back of those buildings, the relative distance to the homes in Briarfield Estates compared to the distance from the existing homes in Hiddenwood Lane to the closest spot of the, of the buildings in JK1. Because we took a lot of um, effort to make sure that they, they, were, they were further set back, there was, it was four sides of, um, of we called it the, the architecture. architecture. Um, there was the step back we had, we go 15 and all that stuff. That isn't gonna happen on the hidden wood, this new stuff. So I'm I, I will be curious to know the relative distances from homes of the back of these buildings as it relates to the existing homes to the existing JK1. That's going to be a very, very high hill to scale yes sir thank you commissioner moderati thank you madam chair um Arshad, i mean i would like to see kind of a um bird's eye view of this area something like this kind of a one mile radius to see this area has already by right data centers in there um i just want to see the existing data centers as well as if anything else that already got approved or will be built whatever we know 
I just want to see a kind of an overall picture for all of the commissioners to see. Yes, sir. Thank you. Commissioner Kirsch. Uh, so just to clarify, are we, are we just looking at the rezoning of these properties? Are we actually going to be talking about data centers, locations, sizes? Is that all? Or is this just about this being rezoned to, was it PDG? What is the actual application here for all these properties to be rezoned or to build data center? So the, the idea is they'll be consolidated. Correct. They'll be zoned to PDIP, the district, which okay. would allow data center. Okay. And they have some reference to if data centers are developed in the proffer statement, what those development standards would be. They're not solely data center. It's any IP use. But that would be one consideration if, if data center developed here, what would that look like? Okay. Well, we know what's going to get developed there, what they're going to try to do. So we okay. can pretend the other uses don't exist because they don't. Okay. Um, so we're going to have the opportunity with this to actually talk about, look, sizing, location. That would be appropriate as part of the rezoning, yes, okay. sir. So in this, the, okay. I wasn't sure if this was just rezoning the properties and then at some point they'd come back with an application to put the data centers in. Oh, no, sir. That would that, that would, could be a result of them doing this. And so if you have... You know, feedback on what that should look like. We would look forward to getting yeah, that. Yeah, and I think the, the question's already been asked, so okay, yes, thank you. Commissioner Jasper. Um, so I think what Commissioner Moderetti asked for in terms of seeing, I mean, I'm not sure that a mile radius is that relevant, but I mean, can't hurt to look, you know, certainly a half mile is kind of more kind of likely touch and feel of residents. What? I, so, and just because I know nothing, um, why would we entertain a rezoning like this? What is there in the comp plan that says, you know, we're going to put an industrial use in the middle of this residential area? I think that's part of a bigger Yep, that will be part of the analysis we present to you. <laughs> okay, all right. I know that's I thought... part of the question yeah. we got to ask. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> I thought maybe there was something I... Okay. You know, the, the item that will come to you in the briefing will outline the outstanding issues that we have with the application. And we'll discuss land use. Commissioner Barnes. Yes, ma'am. How many data centers are you uh, thinking becoming around here in this area? We can have that available for you. Two are proposed, two potential sites. These are to be the building layouts, could uh -huh. be data center use. We can do the analysis around it. So. Okay. Did you have Thanks. another question, Commissioner Jasper? Okay, just I didn't want to make, make sure I didn't cut you off. Commissioner Banks, did you have anything you wanted to have staff prepare in advance for the public hearing? Uh, no, Madam Chair, I don't have anything else. Thank you. Okay, great. Vice Chair Combs. Uh, thank you, Madam Chair. Marshawn, since I alluded to this earlier, we spent a fair amount of time during the zoning ordinance rewrite discussing data centers adjacent to residential, single-family detached residential communities. Could we get some sort of overlay of, of how, if this came in under the new zoning ordinance, what, what those development standards, if they were applied, what that would mean, just so we could put it in the context of the discussions we had pretty recently on that. Sir, we can look at that. Okay, so. thank you. Uh, two things I suspect, or well, two things I suspect are real easy here. Um, is this gonna be, this is grandfathered in, to the before pre-ZOR, correct? This is just, yes, ma'am, this okay. is the grandfather so that's application. that's where yep. what Commissioner Combs asked for is, is helpful because we are straddling, they are revised 93 or are they 72? Uh, 93, revised 93. 93, okay. All right, um, 
I think it would be helpful for everyone as we have the discussion and, and the applicant may be prepared with it already to have an or airport overlay area map because I know that that has moved around in recent years and that's part of the discussion about residential versus not. In would you area. like the sort of the before and after the AOD amendment? If or? it's easy enough to do. Okay. Um, or someone can talk to the current one maybe if I don't want you to have to recreate a wheel but it's, I have suspect it may be out there. Yeah. Um, and then I guess my other question is, um, will this assemblage, it's like unsubdividing something. I don't know what the term for that is. Consolidating. Okay, there you go. Um, will it be consolidated in, into the JK1 or is this going to be a standalone parcel with its own everything? We can have the applicant ready to answer. Thank you. All right. Okay. Real good. Okay. Next, uh, this is the applications that were referred to by our earlier application. Um, the elementary school site, I'm sorry, the middle school site is already approved, Watson Middle School. This would allow for the elementary school in, do you guys like the mouse better or my fancy laser pointer? Okay. You should use the mouse for the benefit of Mr. Banks. Okay. Uh, hold on, Mr. Banks. This is the elementary school, or no, the elementary school. This will be the high school. Mr. Banks, this is, if you can watch my cursor, I need to enlarge the size of it. This would be the elementary school site, and then this would be the high school site down this area. And then the next graphic shows it in more detail. So there's the elementary school site, the existing middle school site, and then the high school campus with all the associated ball fields. So there is some distance or separation from uh, Evergreen Mills Road. So this is a straight commission permit, um, location, character, and extent. Because this, this facility was not identified as a public facility on the 2019 general plan, commission needs to weigh in on it. Uh, it is not grandfathered. It would be uh, administered under the new zoning ordinance, but the, the, the criteria is essentially the same. So. Okay. Anybody have questions they want folks to be prepared to answer? I mean, shoot your applicants in the room. So it's very efficient. Okay. okay. Fleetwood North. This is just south of the, again, the applications we've just been considering tonight. Uh, Fleetwood South was considered, this was a small um, or transition compact neighborhood, small lot neighborhood, excuse me. Um, and this is a, a continuation of that uh, uh, neighborhood. This was the area that was waiting the small area plan or the area plans after. Large lot was anticipated. Small lots were being proposed. Um, and this is the layout of those units. So single family detached. So I can give you more details on it real quick. So. Sorry, everyone. Wearing a lot of hats tonight. I apologize. And we appreciate it. No problem. Thank you. This would be uh, 244 single-family single-family detached dwelling units at about 3.4 dwelling units per acre. Um, the applicant is also requesting to modify various regulations, including reducing yards and lot widths, reducing parking for assembly uses, increasing lot coverage, and permit private road access for the single-family units. And it is being processed under the old or the revised 93 zoning ordinance. Okay. Okay. Commissioner Miller. So um, 
my question is because I think that this application's representative might actually be in the back of the room wearing a green um, sport coat, um, dress coat, whatever women call them. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to. Dressing robe? What? Dressing robe? Dressing. Anyway, moving on, sorry. Um, I'm going to be curious about um, the, the road improvements along Fleetwood. I remember, if I remember correctly, okay. Fleetwood South, there was some consternation um, from members of the previous commission as well as the board about the road improvements that were made to Fleetwood, um, now adding, doubling the number of, of homes in the Fleetwood subdivision here, north and south. Um, curious what those road improvements will look like. And then um, I am going to be further curious about any kind of parking reduction of any kind for any reason. Um, so just something. Okay. All right. Commissioner Jasper. So consistent, Madam Chair, with your remarks at the end of the last uh, motion of this evening, um, understanding the context for the site um, and the density of all of the, you know, nearby sites would be quite helpful. Okay. Vice Chair Combs. Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, Marshawn, I, I understand, and I, I don't know if this is fact or fiction, that there may be some stormwater management um, issues around this site, or perhaps Fleetwood South, and, and sort of uh, tagging on from Commissioner Miller. Could we better understand whether that's actually the case, um, whether there's stormwater runoff or, or issues along in, in the Fleetwood South, Fleetwood North area? I know. In terms of standing water on the site or it running off onto other properties or, or on the roadways, things the like roadways? that. Okay. Um, I understand if there have been complaints lodged with the county, um, anything like that. I understand there's, you know, the applicant has calculations for stormwater um, and it's a big math problem, but I'm looking to understand better kind of the, the reality on the ground to the extent folks have, have actually raised that issue okay. around there. Thank you. Okay. In addition to, to what's already been raised, uh, it would be nice to compare this to what was requested and, and granted or, or approved on um, Fleetwood South. You know, if they had setbacks, mods, density, let, let's, if it's, it, because it looks like it, it all connects, right? It's all going to be yes, one big thing. Mm -hmm. So let's, let's see in the context of a broader context of what's immediately adjacent on all four sides, but also how it compares to what we did a couple of years ago, what the board did um, on that other part of Fleetwood. If that's easy enough to pull. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Any other questions on Fleetwood? Commissioner Kears. Mr. Clever, so that area that was labeled Fleetwood South, that's a previously approved application that you guys looked at last, last term? Yeah. Okay. Yes, sir. It's right. the area in here, yep. It's being posed as a, an extension of that. Okay. Commissioner Moderati. Thank you, Madam Chair. Marshawn, is it traffic circle? Is it from the heartland side of it? Yes. Okay. I believe so. Maybe I would like to see the traffic impact on the Fleetwood Road. Okay. That road is already a mess. Uh, I hope uh, if applicant is listening, maybe they can build the Fleetwood same as Ryan, and they get my word. <laughs> Okay, I think we're yep. good on Fleetwood. Mr. Banks, do you have anything on that application? Uh, nothing more 
Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you. Marshawn? That's, That's with three applications, list. it's going to be uh, easy February. Let's see what happens in March. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't mean to jinx it. Thank you again for agreeing to take this on. No problem. And, and for your team who's providing you with the backstories on all of this. I know there's a few people doing some extra work to make this happen. I think it's helpful. So thank you. No problem. Thank you. Have a good night. Jackie, administrative items. So as staff indicated to the commission, we need to select a representative from the Planning Commission to serve on the Zoning Ordinance Committee. I sent out an email outlining some of the responsibilities. So can I make a nomination? Yeah, by all means, Vice Chair Combs. I would like to nominate Commissioner Miller to be the, the Planning Commission liaison to the Zoning Ordinance Committee. Second that. All right, motion is made by Vice Chair Combs and is seconded by uh, Commissioner Kears. Do I have to let him say whether he accepts that? No, no. <laughs> I don't think so. I, 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 did, I did not have um, uh, a long enough sword to go through the side of my head, so I offered, I asked to be Plazak instead. This is not a surprise. Okay, all right. Um, I, we have a motion on the floor. All in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? I abstain. All right, the motion passes seven. I know, I don't. Zero, one, one. Okay, eight, zero. All right, eight, zero, one with Commissioner Poland Myers absent. All right. Um, okay, thank you. I do have a couple of things um, as we've kind of, I've, I've alluded to and you've got to witness tonight. We've, we've made some small tweaks that I think will have a, a wonderful positive impact. And this is something that when Eric and I started thinking late last term, whether we would be back as commissioners if, if afforded the opportunity and if we would be back as leadership, what would we change if we were king and queen for the day? So um, there were some things and we sat down with staff and, and a lot of you in different ways shaped this list and, and influenced it as well because we've been getting input from folks who are returning, who are returning from previous, previous service. Um, but I wanted to highlight just a few things. Um, we are going to review our bylaws at the March work session. Um, there was a copy provided to everybody by email in January. Just bring any comments or proposed changes with you in your brain to that March meeting. Um, any changes that the commission votes to support at that meeting will then be taken by staff. They will draft the language for our review and a vote um, April 11th, is that the? I think I believe that would be the work, the I think work that's session the next work April. session yes. from there assuming we we make some changes it'll go to the TLUC and the Board of Supervisors for approval before it's implemented so we're hoping that by that point we also have a little more insight into what Richmond may or may not be doing and whether we're going to have another July 1 surprise we'll, we'll call it that um, as you saw um, staff has agreed and I understand that previous to our previous term this was done um, staff provided a briefing of preview of the public hearing items at the previous work session. Again, we thought that was just so incredibly helpful and uh, staff has agreed to, to be able to do that again. So um, again, it's not gonna be an in-depth, no discussion really, it's just a quick rapid fire questions. I think everyone comes then in two weeks-ish more prepared. So it's, it's efficient and great for everybody. Um, as you saw tonight, now these are both returning items and we had said before we were gonna let those folks present at the work sessions even though we hadn't been doing that. We're gonna let everybody present at their work sessions whether it's the returning item 
or not, the applicants will, will get a chance. Or we let them do it because it was a returning item from the previous commission. Let me clarify that. So now whether you were heard at your public hearing under the previous commission or this term, you will have your five minutes to present at the work session. We are gonna ask applicants to please focus on what changes have been made since we last saw it. Um, and they'll again, we'll have free flowing questions from the commission so there'll be plenty of time for them to, to express things they want to as well as staff's presentation. Um, uh, one last kind of bigger thing. Um, the second, I'm calling them the second referral recap meetings. So after the second round of referral comments have been returned back to an applicant, what are, we're gonna, we're gonna start phasing this in so you're not gonna see it all hit you know, next week, but um, so please be patient and any applicants who wanna know where their meeting is, you know, just, just let's all take a breath. Um, the project managers are gonna offer a meeting with the applicant, the applicable referral agencies where issues have been raised, um, flags have been thrown, and the appropriate district planning commissioner. So there will be a meeting that likely will be in person. There may be some folks who have to Zoom participate it. But after that second round, I mean, the hope is that, one, it reads the commissioners into things in their district a little sooner, um, which is never a bad thing. Now, these are not mandatory. An applicant can refuse to do it. A commissioner doesn't have to attend. But they, it is an opportunity, and we're hoping that folks take an advantage of it. Um, there may be aides from district board offices that decide to pop in. You know, it's, it's, gonna, it's supposed to be helpful for everyone. The intent is to clarify any referral responses, to get a quick initial feedback from, from the folks who are gonna be voting on it, um, and really identify those outstanding issues earlier in the process. We're hoping that benefits everybody. Um, sometimes it feels like, well, I thought they meant this, well, I thought they meant that, and two rounds of referrals later, we're, we're finally getting everybody on the phone to figure out that neither really meant what either the other one thought. Um, and, and I think that hopefully we can make things a little more efficient. And again, you know, when folks, applicants come to us and say, well, you know, we're too far in the process to make that change. I, I'd like to give us the opportunity to have that input a little earlier in the process, along with staff to be able to really make sure that if there's any confusion about what an issue is that DTCI or housing or whomever has, we kind of get that out on the table. Um, if you remember those of you who played along during ZOR, there was a thought about making a mandatory meeting way up front with board members. We weren't real keen on that process, and, but I think the spirit of what we're trying to do is captured somewhat here. So we're gonna try these. We're gonna expect it to take a little bit of time to reach full implementation. Um, but if you start seeing an email with availability requests or a meeting invite, you'll, you'll know where it's coming from. And again, it's not mandatory but it's there as a resource and we hope it'll be useful for staff, applicants, and the commission. So um, you probably noticed both our folks got very excited to have a clicker in their hands tonight. Uh, we confirmed that computer does not work in, with WebEx post-COVID, we, we can't use it. Um, for also security and virus reasons, there were other concerns. So there's a whole lot of reasons that can't be done, but we can let them control their, their own thing with the clicker. So. We, we responded to that feedback that we had been getting from applicants. Um, as far as upcoming CPAMs and ZOAMs, there's a lot coming down the pike. We have initiated a bigger picture discussion of let's be watching those schedules. 
Perhaps we're gonna need dedicated meetings for some of them because they are big and technical and meaty. Um, you know, where's the board planning to see some of these in their work plan? Back that up, when should we plan to see them? Um, I'm not, I think sometimes we got caught off guard and all of a sudden we had Primag, Zor, and everything in the same month and it was a lot. Um, so the hope is that we can't always keep all the trains running on time, but if they are, we kind of know when they're supposed to be getting where they're getting and what our role is in that. So that is an ongoing thing that we're watching and working on. Um, and I, I do expect at least one of those is being discussed as having a subcommittee-like format, um, similar to some things that we did during ZOR. So I think that we'll see that being incorporated and um, we'll go from there with the board's direction. So, Mr. Miller, your light's on. Yeah, I was gonna comment, we are talking about opportunities to see the projects earlier as with the, those, the referral agencies and everybody. Um, I would further add, as, a, as some of the folks to consider, I know the staff generally is an anthema to this, but I quite often like to sit in on pre-app meetings. Um, I don't ever say anything. Um, sometimes board staff sits in on them as well, but sometimes it's a good opportunity to get an idea of what might be coming, because a pre-app meeting doesn't mean someone's gonna file an application, um, but there have been times when we've seen ridiculous things at pre-application meetings that we don't waste the time of the applicant or the staff because we know that it can be um, nipped in the bud long before it happens. Um, so I would just encourage you, we, um, I don't know who sends out the email, but I know we- Brian Wegner sends out. Brian, Brian sends it out, okay. Yes. Um, that has the pre-app schedule um, and you can all request to be added to the Zoom link. And so I just something to, something to think about as you guys go through. I know staff doesn't particularly care for that, but. No, 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 it's, it's not, you're, anyone is welcome to attend a pre-app. What we discourage is Comment on it. Yes. Yeah, no, yes. Yeah. We, we, we would encourage no opining. Right. Yeah. Yes. I, if you want to listen. What I do, I usually just sit in. If I have a question, I'll reach out to someone afterwards and ask that question. Yeah. No, we, we don't mind if yeah. a commissioner sits in those meetings. So they're usually, you know, anywhere from 10 to 30 minutes max. So they move pretty quickly. And it's just gives you an idea of what the applications might be. And it's a chance to get ahead of things. Commissioner Monteretti. Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, those are some of the great improvements you guys are suggesting. If I can, if I can Please. ask for one more. Um, you know the staff presentations that they create before the presentation itself and after it, some of these applications will go into work sessions. Uh, they have such a valuable information consolidated all in once. If I try to take some notes, sometimes I am losing it because I want to listen to them, mm -hmm. taking the notes, all those things at once. So I just want to look into the opportunity for us to have the presentation if it's ready prior to the meeting itself. Um, if it's keep changing until the last second, um, maybe I would like to have it as soon as the meeting is <coughs> over so that I have a copies that I can refer back to um, and write down my notes while I remember it. We would be uh, happy to send the PowerPoints after after the meetings. Can I can say from the legislate maybe that just makes yeah it we can we can certainly do that. I will say that as a former project manager myself, sometimes I was working on those until 
5.30 on the day of the hearing. So we don't have a deadline, but we can certainly send them out after the meeting ends. Exactly. I mean, even, even that will work, but at least I would like to have it because sure. all that information instead of 142-page application, I'd rather have all summary at once to take down my notes, um, especially if I can put my notes on, write it out later when I go home. Mm -hmm. Sure, we'll do that. Okay. Commissioner Jasper. Um, Sarah, this may not be the right time to say this. I think all the suggestions sound great. Um, but, uh, you know, with CPAM, ZOAM stuff coming at us quite soon, um, I'm wondering uh, in terms of studies that back up, I was talking with uh, Vice Chair Combs today, and I was looking at the housing study upon which um, the housing policy is predicated, and it was written in 2017. So the data for that is 2016 and my get, you know, at the latest. And so my guess is that a lot of, you know, just where there's stuff that's gotten old, maybe we could try and create a list of, of research that we need updated before we start making policies based on old info. We have small area plans coming, and the data center is probably the next one in the queue. So we do have a while before housing in particular, but... Um, well, even data centers, I've been hearing about some, you know, kind of new trends in data center construction and things like that that we might want to be aware of. We'll have to look at, we'll have to inventory what we have and what I'm sure the industry folks would like to tell us all about. Maybe that's the, maybe it's not something that staff has to create. Perhaps that's something we bring in the right expert to educate us on or something. For sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Well, no. I, and I was just thinking, bring somebody in or contract. Yeah. Staff doesn't have to do it. I was not yeah. asking for that. Yeah, their, their work plan's getting awful full. <laughs> As much, I'd love all the data, but um, you see I sit and chicken scratch things all the time. Uh, Vice Chair Combs. Uh, thank you, Madam Chair. I just wanted to say I received today one of those emails from a project manager on an application that's in um, its referral stages, but um, will be coming to, to a public hearing uh, sometime soon. And I understand this is probably a beta um, run at it, but it's wonderful. Um, <laughs> it's, it's trying to set up a meeting with the, the district supervisor's office, the planning commissioner, and all the referral agencies um, and go through the outstanding issues with the application, really just digest all of it and get an opportunity to weigh in. So um, I've got to check availability for the times that have been proposed, but I'm really looking forward to it. This is, I think, going to be great. Well, and if, it, I mean, I know Vice Chair Combs will tell me, but, uh, you know, please share your feedback with staff or myself or, or Vice Chair Combs as you're seeing these things happening, what's working, what's not, because I will tell you, um, we sat down with staff and, and Jason and Courtney and a whole bunch of people, not quite two weeks ago, a week and a half ago, um, to talk about a lot of this. And I, I have to commend staff. They were incredibly open and helpful and receptive to things we threw at them and didn't look at us like we'd lost our minds. So um, I know they have a lot of work on their plates. I, I appreciate, these may seem like little things, but I'm really hoping they help some efficiency and and flow and, and maybe even get people done a little quicker. So um, 
thank you to them for being open. But you know, this is a work in progress. So if something's not working the way we want, we'll tweak it again. You know, um, and we appreciate that feedback from you guys. So um, in the meantime, think about bylaws, and we'll we'll discuss that in March. Uh, anything? I don't. I'm done. You know, just a reminder: our public hearing is on Monday, and we'll see everyone in two weeks. Thank you. Not this Monday. Not this coming Monday. Yes. Yeah, Monday, not a Tuesday. All right. Not Monday, like four days from now. Sorry. Monday the 26th versus Tuesday the 27th, like it would normally be. All right. Yes. Thank you. Meeting is adjourned.